Oh yeah, it's Lopez Radio. Welcome to the show. We live at lopezradio.com. You can also check us out on social medias at Lopez Radio. Hit that real quick. Um, joining me today is a gentleman who is no stranger to the podcast. Actually, original guest of the podcast on episode one. Uh, a gentleman who uh, who I've known for a very long time and uh, who is very awesome. You can follow him on Twitter at Lord Fagan. He is the Lord Fagan. What is up, my dude? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. You flatter me, sir. <laughs> you flatter me. Gentlemen. How y'all doing? Man, no, it's been a minute. It how's has. It, how, 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 how you been, man? Things are good, dude. Things are really good. I'm, uh, you know, we're doing the normal Twitch thing. We're doing the life thing. And, uh, you know. I wanted to do uh, I wanted to do a podcast. We've been meaning to for a while. We we always seem to come back around to each other, don't we? Like the clap. <laughs> like the clap. You, you never fully get rid of it. <laughs> you never fully get rid of it. <laughs> See you in hell, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the show, man. I hope uh, hope you're doing well. And uh, yeah, man, I'm great. You know, just yeah, just. You know, I it's it's one of those things. Monitoring twenty twenty, mm. it's it's its own exhausting. job. But, yeah. You know, no, I've been uh, been been working on um, been working on um, on advanced training for new assignments. It's been good. It's been good. It's been um, it's been challenging. But you know, that's the thing about this year. I think you know part of the trick of twenty twenty is find a project. You know, find find something to just don't don't let this be a lost year. You know, yeah, it's a rough year, but, you know, find something to boost yourself with, even if it's just for you, even if it's just like just, you know, cooking more. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just anything you can you can lose yourself in, you know, just something you can preferably, at least for me, just because being you and I are kind of creative types. We've always kind of been that way. Something that just helps you express yourself. That could be woodworking. That could be, you know, like yeah. you said, cooking. Um, a lot of people took up bread making for a little while during the pandemic. So it's 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 any number of things. Really, what you're looking for and what we've been using it as for most of our lives since we left high school, a distraction from everything outside. <laughs> it's just a distraction, right? And I, no, you know, you bring up the bread making. What's what's wild about the bread making? Um, it's you know, I found that people have been rediscovering how fucking awesome it is to just make pizza from scratch at home. Yes, don't get me wrong. I know how convenient and how wonderful it is to just have them deliver it. But 25 bucks? Fuck you. It's a pizza. It's got two toppings on it. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? And it's, I mean, really, I could just do this myself. I could, I could make 10 pizzas. For what you're charging me for that shit. Because, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, if you make big batch of dough, which you can put in the fridge, and it's like you can stick it in the fridge and let it sit there for seven days, and it's even better. Oh, yeah. So, no, I've, I've been seeing a lot of that. Um, a lot of pasta. Um, yeah, dude, it, it, it's – no, it, it's been um, – you know, people, people, will, people will do anything they can to find a distraction, and that's – man – you know, especially this year, because, you know, because fate has conspired to make every major film, game, and television release that has been expected this year. It's like, nope. Nope. Delay. This year. 
<laughs> at least we got our star wars though we got we got our star wars man i know we did and and we're gonna we're gonna definitely crack into that i'm wondering though like before we do get there like i'm wondering yeah. how many people picked up like these skills that they never would have had it not been had 2020 not fallen the way it did like how many people would have not had like now I know how to make bread, right? Like now I know how to do X, Y, Z. Like there's, it's interesting because there's going to be, there's some sort of ripple effect. Cause you know that there's people that have maybe found a passion that changed the direction of their life, you know? Something, something necessity and invention, right? I know. I know. It's yeah. fucking nuts. No, it, no, it's, you know, you know, the, the year has changed people. Um, sometimes for good, sometimes for worse, but it's changed people. And, you know, We'll rem we'll, I, I, I hope that in the end, that's the lingering memory of the year. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously, people are going to look back and they're going to feel a lot of pain and a lot of frustration. Hopefully, they can look back also. That's like, yeah, but you know, but I, but I learned some new stuff, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, there was change, but there was evolution too. So that's you know, that's the hope. And I feel you like know, we because. Sorry, sorry, go no, ahead. No, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt. You know, what were you saying? No, I was like, and I feel like we've had so many conversations over the years. I mean, this podcast is going on, I don't know, six, seven years almost. Like, I think it's, I think it's somewhere around the six year mark. Um, but like, it's, we've had these conversations of assigning things to periods of time. A lot of time we talk about generations, right? A lot of time we talk about, you know, stuff like that. But a lot of people assign like, oh, year such and such what a bum out year you know and and like i always think about yeah but really the time period itself is just kind of constructed in your mind right like it's it's just like things go like this they ebb and flow all the time they go up they go down just sometimes more of that down happens to fall within this this made up range of time um yeah so it's it's amazing how sometimes so much of it piles up in between these two markers that we call like a year. Well, and what's also happened to um, it's become so difficult to, I don't think the word predict is appropriate. I'm not talking about prediction. I'm talking about just planning mm -hmm. for the next few years. I honestly, you know, for me, the concept of the quote unquote five-year plan Dude, that is that is now an anachronism. Yeah, that's a relic of pre twenty first century existence. Um, I I mean, when I look at like what the what are the twenty twenties going to be like? Don't know. Don't know. Not that I don't care. It's that don't know. Um, and I mean, especially now after twenty twenty, it's like yeah, I really have no clue yeah. how things will go. Right. The you know, no. will they be roaring like the nineteen hundreds? I don't know. Will they be roaring in a different way? They might be. be the, no, you know, the, the, that old Chinese curse, man. Interesting times. They're going to be certain. So we're going to be fucking interesting. That's for sure. You know, I, <laughs> I was, <laughs> that's so true. I was, I was reading a uh, article. Uh, I don't know if it was put out yesterday, but I was reading it yesterday from the Atlantic. That was, uh, there was this, I guess he's a historian slash mathematician that was talking about the ebbs and flows of society and this stability of society. And he kind of went through history and he looked at any time that there was social political unrest, kind of some, similar to what we're looking at. And, 
and from what he broke down, and it was obviously much more complicated than I'm about to break it down, but from the way yeah. he kind of broke it down is like every 50 years, there's this there's this rise of elites. You know, there's a he said basically what's happening is elite, you know, people who are considered quote unquote elite with money, with education, they saturate the elite market. Those jobs. And there's not enough jobs for the people that are trained for that shit. 100%. You're talking about Turchin. Yes, Turchin. Turchin is the name of the, the guy you're talking about. It's brilliant. He's he is applying mathematical principles that he used to study Beatles because that guy's he, that guy is an ecologist. Yeah, he's not a historian, but he's he's working on a new. It's a new branch of historical. Um, it, it's a new branch of historical study called cleodynamics because Cleo is the name of the um, Greek muse of history, mm -hmm. and yeah, the idea is history has always been on the is always been on the um, like as it's been studied throughout the years and the modern interpretation of it is that history as an idea and as a concept is way too complex to break down into simple truisms um it's not just that there are different eras i mean you're having radically different peoples radically different events radically different geographical and cultural elements to it it's just too big a machine to try to break down like that and he came along and was like no that's bullshit we can find <laughs> a couple of things that are like logical and yeah like you said there's we have, we have we have a problem with um, too many elites. We have a problem with um, we have a problem with wealth concentration. Where you know, it's like that old. You've seen the meme on like Fox News, and they're like, ninety nine percent of people own a refrigerator. Okay, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, but that's like that. That's that that kind of illustrates the sort of warping effect that historical perspective has even within a couple of years mm. yeah you might have been able to say something like that back in say the 40s and that had some weight but even in like the 70s or the 80s yeah i got a fridge it's basic yeah. now yeah it's a basic it's a basic <laughs> thing the tv too right you know right. and i got the cement pool in the backyard what the, i mean what the fuck you know yeah. so <laughs> I got a door no, on my front on the front of my house. It's great, you know. But yeah, um, but that guy, no, but that guy Turchin, yeah, he's um, who he doesn't he doesn't have a very good outlook for twenty twenty and beyond. Yeah. And it's also fascinating, you know. He he made this prediction in twenty ten. The only pe the only reason people are giving him any time of day these days is because, well, actually, in twenty ten he wrote this small little blip along everybody else in twenty ten who was like it was a a group of um a group of academics who were all being asked, so what is your outlook and what are you thinking of, you know, coming into the next decade? And everybody was all kind of rosy and hopeful. And he was the one that came out and was like, um, no, no, it's, uh, it's going to be, um, it's going to be fall of Rome type shit. And everybody brushed him off. And now it's like, we're looking back in 2010. It's like, Oh, holy shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially in 2020. Now, pretty much all of 2020, you kind of laid out a lot of the problems that we have all kind of break down to this idea that yeah the um what what's happened is um this politics of blood sport mm. has become more than just an approach to political messaging it has now become our actual culture yeah and it has been something where it's not about persuasion it's not about conforming it's just about eliminating the other side yeah, there's no there's no reaching like to find a common ground and it's kind of 
it's kind of weird, right? And and he broke it down. It's like it's like roughly every fifty years, and it makes sense. Like he even said, "All right, so he started late late eighteen hundreds, but then you you look at nineteen twenty, everything was fucking hunky dory." We talk about the Roaring Twenties just now. Like everything is hunky dory for people who are elite investing in the stock market. The stocks are going, you know, going up, going crazy, and then all of a sudden, what happens within ten years? Huge crash big problems the great depression happens like it's it made me it just made me think about all right it seemed like the 10 years after each of those time periods five to 10 years after were the rough times and like i'm just like well we just hit 2020 and all that rough shit like he's he's guesstimating in the next five to 10 years there's going to be some fucking problems there's going to be a lot of working out to do quote unquote well and he also talked about how um you know, as in, again, you know, part of the, you know, this whole truism of history and again, beyond just American history, beyond just like to the 1800s, like the 10,000 years of human history, there are a couple things you can kind of point to as like, no, this is the correct reality. And it takes an, it takes a, bi- a biological ecologist and somebody who focuses on evolution to tell you this, um, the societies that really prosper and the societies that enjoy times of, you know, expansion and um, growth are the ones that make war on each other yeah. because it's war that you know puts you through trials it's war that makes you stronger it's war that forces you to innovate it's war that forces you to survive and then also you get into like you know the plagues um yeah it's horrible but that also is kind of a test that steals certain cultures to exist while others can't make it and on the one hand it's like well that's horrible to look like that it's like yeah but in a very practical sense, that is kind of what the Europeans did to the Native Americans when they first showed up. They did the double whammy of biological warfare by giving them a bunch of smallpox blankets, and it decimated that culture. It decimated peoples across a continent. And again, morality aside, um, it has a, a profound practical effect. And right now, you know, this horrible, horrible pandemic that we're, you know, enduring. It's kind of weird because on the one hand, it's like, yeah, it's bad. But the fact that people are fighting so hard, it's it's interesting. You got you got a lot of people that are fighting very hard to try to find an answer. But then you have another very large group of people that seem hell bent, not just on not just on being like, well, you know what? I don't think so. It's more of a, no, fuck you, you're wrong, this is a lie, this is all a conspiracy and shit, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's, after you look at that guy's ideas, you you start looking at things differently, but yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, the, 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 next, the next couple of years, you know, will it be the end of America's empire? I don't know. Is that for the good or ill of history? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> It is it is interesting to think about the pandemic in that sense of this, like this should be it and I and I say this from my perspective it feels like it should be something that should be getting everyone together to figure this the fuck out whereas it's something in this there are very very outside forces that have forced this kind of view on it whereas this it's now something that's like clearly like you said there's two different sides there's the I'm annoyed and uncomfortable on a mask side and the Let's put on a fucking mask and end this fucking thing side, you know, at least at least hold it at bay until we can get what we need. Um, And it feels like it shouldn't be like that. It's almost like, you know, like 
can you imagine this this sort of mentality at 9/11, right? When, you know, when all this happened, think of think of great times of tragedy like that where it pulled people together rather than, you know, made people on opposite sides of each other. And it feels like such a weird juxtaposition where we're in a situation where it's dangerous to everybody involved, doesn't matter who, what side you stand on. We've seen people from both sides get really, really sick from this thing, have long-lasting effects from this thing, die from this thing, and it still sits where it sits as far as people are just kind of like, well, I, I've i refused to do my part. Well, and, it, and, and I know that I know that there's like such a hard push to get a vaccine, but I want to make sure that we underscore that, you know, yeah, sure. The vaccine's going to vaccine's going to hit soon. And um, yeah, there's the concern of, well, we really do need everybody to take it when it gets out, because if it's like, well, if only 75 percent of the population takes it, that other 25 percent the virus is just going to mutate inside them and change. And then it's just going to, it's just going to be a vaccine arms race for ever unknown amount of time. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other side of it that a lot of people, a, a lot of this does not get talked about very much, but the truth is it's like, so they'll have a vaccine and it comes out, but for a couple of years after we're going to have to get booster shots. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, it's like, even if like, a lot of people take it seriously and like, no, 90% of people take this vaccine, regardless of what they might say on Twitter, you know, you're going to go do it. You know, you can, you can rant and rave and say what you want and feel good about it. But the simple reality is your kids aren't coming to school unless you have a doctor's note saying not only them, but their family has gotten inoculated. And that's just how it works. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that some people are all into homeschooling and stuff, but the truth is that doesn't work with the vast amount of our economy. There are a lot of people that know they need to go to work. They can't bring their kids with them and they can't stay home. Some people will, but even those folks are gonna be like, no, I don't really want my kids here anymore. Um, And that's, that's great for the first pass but those boosters that's when i can totally see a lot of people not even just because they're taking a stand but just out of laziness because it's like you know we'll have that first we'll get that first shot and then we'll go back to normal and we'll all be so fucking happy to go back to normal that it's like oh wait yeah you need to get this booster shot it's like it's like brushing your teeth mm-hmm. you know or it's like going to see a doctor at all like, there are tons of people like at a certain age and i'm talking like in your forties and beyond, you should be going to a doctor regularly. And people don't, people barely go to a fucking dentist on the regular. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that that's kind of, again, the big question mark of the next couple of years, because that's going to be a part of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the ripple effects, we're already feeling it, man. Um, theaters are gone. Theaters ain't coming back. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. There's no, I mean, it's just, there, there has been a significant way or a significant band-aid that's been ripped off that has shown us what we need and don't need too. Like, I mean, work-wise, entertainment-wise, all that stuff. And I, th- I, I think what will happen, you're right about like there, there's been a reevaluation of what we're spending versus what we're getting. Mm-hmm. That was the pr- that's why the theaters died we were spending way too much and now it's just become abundantly clear a there are alternatives which are much cheaper and much more appealing but b 
Um, even if we don't have the alternative, it's just, we just, we don't need to go to the theater. Yeah. You know? It's not needed. And, and I think what will happen I, when I say that theaters are dead and never coming back, let me, let me, let me rephrase that theaters as we have understood them are not coming back. AMC did a weird thing. So they're bankrupt. They're going bankrupt sure. and they're getting desperate and innovative, which is, man, it's the best time to get desperate and innovative. Actually. It's when you really start to entertain wild ideas and you really start to stumble on things that nobody knew that they kind of wanted. Yeah, what when, they're when you're back to about, the wall, right? When you're back to the wall, yeah. shit starts flying. <laughs> so they're talking about how, AMC has a bunch of like these big multiplex theaters with like multiple screens in them. Mm-hmm. There has, they have basically, they ran a pilot program that was like, okay, um, would you be interested in, in, in renting the entire theater for a hundred bucks? And when you think about that, it's like, Hmm. I mean, if I could get like a whole, like if I could get like a whole bunch of my friends, like a crew of my friends where it's like, we're all going to go see the next Marvel, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, man, everybody just chip in 10 bucks. And it's like, no, we get the whole theater ourselves. You get to hoot and holler and yell and scream. Or maybe we're that kind of crowd. It's like, you know, don't get me wrong. If it's a funny joke, we can chuckle at it, but stop clapping. I can't hear anything. Right. You know, and you get a lot more control. And it's like, no, no, there will be no children here. Right. Or maybe that's what you want. Maybe, maybe it's like, no, man, we're going to get a hundred bucks. And it's like, no, we want to take our kids to go see the new Star Wars. And we really aren't interested in anybody else. We just want to, you know, have all the kids and have some fun at the Star Wars, which they've done for a long time. They have like birthday party rooms and stuff in theaters already. But I want to see them go the extra mile to where it's like, okay, well, what you really should do is you should take a theater and you should cut it up into four sections. And then the section has like seating the way you would see seating at like a Las Vegas lounge. Yes. You know, the booths are extremely luxurious and big. Mm. And there's like, you got the four sections in quadrants. And then in the center, you have a bar. And when you go to the theater, it's like, well, you're going to pay a hundred bucks for your section, but you're going to go for like four hours. And it's like, yeah, you're going to go. And there's like an hour of drinks beforehand, just like the way theaters used to be actually. Mm. Um, because that's what the intermission was for is like, so you could take a break and go get some drinks. Um, but like have the drinks and then once showtime gets good and like, and that replaces the 20, you know, I don't want to sit here and watch, you know, commercials for ABC shows debuting this season that I don't give a fuck about. I just want a beer. And, um, you know, once that's all wrapped up, you know, bar shuts down and then, you know, you watch your movie. Um, that's what I mean about how it's like, you know, that that's not a theater experience as we understand it, mm-hmm. but you're going to start seeing some of that because it's not that the whole idea of public venues and cooperative viewing experiences are going to go away. It's just that the, the way it was before, like back in the nineties, I could totally understand the idea of it's like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna give you five bucks and I'm just gonna pop into this theater with all these other fucking wackos and maybe it's gonna be good, maybe it's gonna be not good, but who gives a shit is five bucks. Right. But I ain't giving you fifteen dollars for that exact same experience. And no, don't act like, oh, but you can check in with the kiosk and you can pick your seats. No, that doesn't work because all the good seats are taken anyway. Mm. And you know, and don't pretend, I mean, your your food has always been fucked up. And again, it's like, you know, the, my alternative, you know, my house with my home theater and my kitchen and my pause button and my weed. That's, I mean, again, I can do that, 
or it can give you fifteen dollars. Yeah. I mean, now think about think checking the price up again and think about the (laughs) yeah and think about the the hundred dollar thing you're talking about. How much does a family of four spend when they go there? Easily a hundred bucks. Easily a hundred bucks. And 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 I mean that same family of four or family of five. It's like, well, you know, could you could you play up the idea of it's like, well, yeah, I know it's a hundred bucks. What if we gave you the whole theater? Yeah. You know, and does I mean are we are we talking that like a family of four or five will do that every weekend? No. But I don't know, for bigger releases, maybe. You know, but that's the other thing though, is it's like, you know, big Marvel releases and stuff. If you cut up a theater like that, I mean, that's that's gonna X a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's also gonna be one of those things like, yeah, but that also kind of underscores the theater going experience is not a mass market thing anymore. The streaming market is the mass market thing that's the thing for the for the plebeians Mm -hmm. the theater will kind of you know the what's weird about the theater when you think about the globe theater in london i'm talking the one that shakespeare played at Mm -hmm. that was that was that was an arena of the people everybody got to go everybody enjoyed it but that's different from the opera house which is the same exact kind of entertainment, the same exact idea, but it ain't for the plebeians. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that it's the theater going experience is going to be not an elite experience, but it's going to become a more premium experience and it will match the kind of prices that they're asking for. That's fine. How's perfectly fine. How do you feel about the resurgence of, and how do you, how long do you think it lasts? The resurgence of the drive-in, the drive-in there's a reason, experience. There's a reason drive-ins went away, mm-hmm. and I think that I, I don't think it's going to stick around. I think that it's a novelty, and I think that people are like all about like, oh, but COVID, COVID, and it's like, yeah, but again, COVID will um, go away, right? Yeah, the sound sucks. You know, yeah. here, here's that. That's that's why. That's why. No because sound sucks um right now the premier filmmaker of our age christopher nolan is that's his biggest problem his sound mixes are dog shit tenant that movie he just made yeah um you know honestly cool movie but you can't watch it without subtitles because you can't hear what anybody's saying and um that's something that's interesting you know he, he gave an interview where he was talking about it. He's like, you know, other directors complain to me about it. And he finds it interesting that it's like, you know, there are so many different kinds of different looking movies out there. Um, there are literally movies. There was a fad for a little while where it was like movies made with a video camera. And oh, they yeah. were like, yeah, we were playing around with effects and stuff. But it's like, but we went out of our way to make it look like shit quality video. <laughs> and... And then also it's like, you, um, there's a Bruce Willis movie that just got announced. I mean, I went and looked at it. I was like, I'm serious, man. This looks like, this looks like it's got the budget of a Cinemax late night erotic thriller. Yeah. It's, it is that cheap looking. And that's, I mean, that's all on the looks of it. And you know, Christopher Nolan's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of open-mindedness when it comes to the look of a movie, but when it comes to the sound of a movie, Ooh, man, no, no, there is no, there is no open-mindedness when it comes to the sound. Bad Um, sound can really ruin just about anything. Like it really, it's, it's such, it's so distracting. Like you can forgive what you're seeing, right? You can be like, well, this is their artistic vision, blah, blah, blah. But when sound's bad, 
it's just I was just having a conversation before me and you jumped on here. I was helping a friend yeah. test out some audio. He had just gotten some new equipment. He was like, I want I want you to listen to it. And and because you know when people take in media online like they're usually doing other things. How many times have you been working on something? You know, anybody out there, have you been working on something and had like a movie or a TV show going on in the background? You may not be actively watching it, but you're listening to it while you're working. And if something is not sounding right, it's so incredibly distracting that you're just kind of like, I have to turn this off because I can't listen to in the background. You know, it sounds like a tin can. I think, I think, I, I think that the root of the rot People like Christopher Nolan, they're going for a, they're, they're aiming for a specific target, and that target is bombast. They're looking for a cacophony of noise that is like arresting, mm-hmm. but that's not really. I don't think I don't think an audience wants that like the whole time. I think that the audience can handle that, you know, here and there, you know, during dur- at the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah, obviously there needs to be a lot of bombast, but there's another concept he's missing, and that's clarity when people are talking that bombast needs to take a back seat right because they're talking and i can't understand what they're saying and again it's totally i mean there's nothing wrong with some bombast but you know it's like when i'm forced to watch a movie with subtitles uh, that sucks that's not what uh uh uh-uh. no i sh- that should not be the primary way to watch and to experience this stuff because again it's like what are you doing here are you are you are you just making like a, a soundtrack of noises or are you mm. trying to tell a story? Pick it's, one. It's different when you're going in to see like a foreign movie where you expect subtitles. You're like, okay, well, my, my mind is geared toward I'm going to expect subtitles. And that's fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I've been watching a lot of horror lately. Some of it from Asia. It's amazing. But it's an Asian movie. You're going to watch the subtitles, you know, and and as someone I was I was in a chat room not too long ago watching somebody's Twitch channel and then we were talking about movies. I think it was actually Fudge, the last person I had on the podcast. And someone was talking about the, the new Nolan movie and they're like, they're like, yeah, my 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 whole feeling about uh, Nolan movies are and they typed it out. It was just like it was like it was like inaudible dialogue, inaudible dialogue. All, all like all caps <laughs> like just, just and it's, ridiculous it's, well that's weird because it didn't used to be this way mm-hmm. it didn't used to you want i think i think i think the transition point was indeed the last good movie he made with a good mix was dark knight mm-hmm. and from there forward he came off the tracks because it's like, like memento. You don't have a problem hearing anything in memento. That's a very, that's got an interesting soundtrack. It's got a synth. It's kind of a dark synth soundtrack, but it's somewhat muted, but the focus is very much on that guy. And you watch that movie and you listen to the audio and that's like, man, Leonard Shelby's voice comes in loud and clear center channel all the time. And it's fine. And it's great. And I think that he just, I, I think that, um, I think that it's a, I think it's probably a, it's symptomatic of, and this is not just with directors, it's with a lot of people who head up organizations and they're in control and they have prestige and respect. Um, people sometimes get a little too intimidated with telling somebody um, what they need to hear. Right. Um, you know, similar to George Lucas, where it's like, um, dude, this is, this is fun. Sights and sounds are great, but um, dude, the fart jokes need to go. Yeah. 
Okay. What the um, fuck is going on? <laughs> like, this is great. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, again, it's like, I get it. And it's, it's cool. It's just, it's like, you're just, that's a toe over the line. Let's just, let's just ease it back a little bit and you know, keep, you know, keep what you're trying to do with this. And it's the same thing with Nolan. It's like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, dude, there's all kinds of shit going on. There's explosions and, you know, but, but, but when they're talking, let's just, why don't we just ease back again? If you can hear it, it's in the background, right? Like you were saying, you can hear all that shit going on, but it's like, but the focus is on the voice and the, the, the premium is on clarity. Yeah. And that's, you know, I guess even the pros have their flaws, so. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, coming back to what we were saying about theaters and theater experience, um, it's a time of transition. Um, and, uh, it's not just, again, it's not just the actual setting and it's not just the venue and the, um, and the price it's the content The content is changing. Um, the, um, the content is morphing, Yeah, you know, we, um, you know, we had a decade of Marvel that was very formulaic and, um, that WandaVision show that's coming out in yeah. January, mm -hmm. that ain't going to be your regular Marvel content. That's going to be something rather different. And I'm glad. Glad, but then also on the other side of that coin, you see some regression to older styles. That's kind of the thing about Mandalorian. You know, Mandalorian really is sort of a callback, and, and it's found success because of it. It's a callback to when things were a little simpler. Yeah. You know, it was. You know, I can I can I just can I just watch people just kick some ass? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I really I'm not I'm not really interested in a deep ethical discussion of the light and the dark. I, I, I just want to go rescue whoever we're going to rescue and then fly around in the spaceship. That's not to say that there can't be room for both. I think there can, mm -hmm. but I think that that's also that that's an evolution of um, the approach to the audience and the content. It's for the best, but it's, you know, a lot of it is spurred on by changing conditions. You think, man, so as we transition into talking about Mandalorian, do you think, yeah. Do you think that like so? I especially noticed it in the, in the debut of the season, and and just so you guys know, we're we're attempting to not do anything spoilery for season two. We're only three episodes in at this point. We do plan to do a podcast episode where we talk about everything, but we're going to wait till the end of the season, I think. Um, yeah. But really, it was quite to me. It was a little subtle in the first season. It was very obvious in the opening of the second season. Man, I'm just watching a western. Like I'm watching a spaghetti western that's set in you know in the world of Star Wars, which is really amazing. And like you said, the feel of it goes back to a much simpler, just a, a much simpler outline to how they tell a story. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with there's so many hands on the direct direction of this. Like I, I watched the after we watched the first episode of this season, there is a small i don't know if you'd even call it a documentary but it's like a round table with all the directors from the first season tg yeah. td mm -hmm. bryce dallas howard everybody is involved and in some of those episodes you have multiple directors do you mm -hmm. think that simplicity comes from the fact that they're all trying to get to one point together and so they don't want to go too far off into their own little you know their own little quirks of how they like to direct it's hard to say because i'm not in, i'm not in the room Sure. Um, and I know that that you know success has a hundred fathers, failure has only one. 
Right. And this has been pretty successful. And so everybody's trying to claim that, oh, well, no, this is John Favreau's baby because he's showrunner and he's writing. It's like, well, yeah, but it's also Dave Filoni's baby because most of the good shit we're doing is stuff that he laid the ground for, for in Clone Wars. Mm. Um, and then also, yeah, like you said, it's like, yeah, but Taika's also bringing his A game. And, you know, you got Bryce Dallas Howard, who's actually you know what i've been surprised same i've been, been been delightfully surprised i'm glad that you know she's found a place behind the camera doing this kind of stuff it does her father proud um I'm, i mean god yeah it's like there's these i mean there's surprises and it's hard to attribute it to any one person and i think that that's been interesting and why why that feels alien is because for decades that was not how it worked for decades Star Wars was the single-handed creation of George Lucas. He built it out of wood. And we know that that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Okay, he yes, yes, obviously he was the creative driving force behind it and he deserves all the credit in the world for creating it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm just kind of highlighting how it's it's very alien how we look at it now versus the way we looked at it then as far as like well, who's responsible for this because it, <laughs> it, it cuts both ways right you know ryan johnson you know honestly i shudder to even give an opinion about that guy because i'm gonna piss off somebody regardless of what i say right um and so that that's kind of indicative of it where it's like well yeah but just just because you don't like him and don't like his stuff. It's like, it doesn't mean that star Wars is broken or star Wars is ruined. It just means that that part of star Wars isn't, isn't for you. Um, and that's, again, that's a natural evolution of the property because the, you know, star Wars, I don't get much more mass market than that of the last like half century. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that comes close, I think is star Trek. Star um, Trek. And yeah, and it's and 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 Marvel is Marvel is now becoming like that, but it doesn't have it doesn't have quite the time span. Right. Um, but then again, you could also argue it's like, oh no, it does because you know if you're going to point to oh, but Star Wars has all the expanded universe and the books and all this stuff, it's like, does Marvel not have like decades of books and cartoons and shit that they've been working on? It's yeah. just that they just they they took longer to get into the movie part, right. whereas Star Wars started with movies and then went off into all that other shit. But to come back to another point that you mentioned, I agree with you. Yeah, the spaghetti western stuff, totally. But you mm. know something else that's in there? Fairy tale. Yeah. This is a show about a knight in shining armor killing dragons. 100%. That's what this show is about. Because, and I mean, it's maybe maybe the monster takes on a weird form, but it's like, that's not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones wasn't about killing the dragon. Game of Thrones was about oh, look at these magnificent dragons that are not beatable and all the people that are related to it talking about it. And that's not old school simple fairy tale shit. Simple fairy tale shit is like, no, there's a monster, go kill it and we'll give you whatever you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And the about the only place you find that kind of storytelling that's like really prominent is in games. Um, that's something that I will say about the series that, you know, don't get me wrong. I love it. And I think it's great, but there's room for criticism. Um, the writing is a little video gamey, you know, there always seems to be this whole, like, oh man, I need to do something. I need to get something. I need to, I need information or something like that. He has some objective. 
Mandalorian needs something. Yeah. He's got money to do it. He's got motivation and he knows where to go to get it. And you go it like, there's a lot of episodes that follow this basic track of, Oh, I found this person who has the answer to whatever question or has, you know, whatever I'm looking to get my hands on. Oh yeah. I'll give it to you. But first I need you to do a half hour little quest of bullshit. Oh, Defeat man. this like, boss. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, after a while that it's like, no, all you're going to do is you're going to, what, what you're going to do is you're going to say the person you're actually looking for is on this plant. It's like, <sighs> and it's, you know, I, 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 again, it's, it's a, it's, it's a minor complaint because it's like, it gets the job done. And really, there is something to be a big part of the charm of this show and the big part of why I think it sounds such mainstream success, dude, it's not asking too much out of people. Um, it's not trying to change a lot. It's just, it's just dumb sugary fun. And yeah. especially now, man, I think we all need a lot. I think we all need a weekly dose of dumb sugary fun. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking they're doing anything wrong. They're just making choices that have consequences, but I think they're fully aware of it. Um, and I, you know, the thing is, like I said, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's light on substance, but I'm sure that we'll get the substance one day. I'm pretty sure that when they do the Obi-Wan show, I don't think that that, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that one being as much of him like gallivanting all over the galaxy. I know that's kind of what people want, but it's like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be around on Tatooine. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be much more introspective. And the core themes of that one is going to be shame and mm -hmm. regret. And, you know, that's, that's for people who want to think and feel more about their star Wars outside of the Holy shit, man, look at that fucking monster. Kill it. Yeah. I think, I think what, <laughs> what I found interesting about Mandalorian that feels so different from the rest of star Wars to me, it feels Honestly, and this probably has a little bit of it to do with it being a TV, or like a series instead of a movie for one. For two, it's they're pretty self-contained. You could show a person that has zero knowledge of what the Mandalorian story has been about for a season and a half. And you could be like, here's one episode and they would enjoy it because, yes, there's the overarching. I'm trying to find, you know, I'm trying to take this child home. Right. But you could still watch that episode and be very entertained by it and not be lost. You know what I'm saying? You could, go ahead. That's a hallmark of star Wars going back to the beginning, because I mean, you watch those original trilogy movies. They're very self-contained, but even at the time it's like, yeah, but you got to understand, man, every single one of these fraction of a second shots of these fucking clowns in the cantina, every single one of them, has a convoluted backstory that you can go find and you can read about if you want. Same thing with Mandalorian where, I mean, dude, there's, believe me, there, there's a, Dave Filoni's fingerprints are all over that. And they have carried forward a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And they're getting even more into it as they go into this season that harks back to stuff that was going on in a cartoon that you probably didn't watch. But the thing is, they're doing it in such a fashion that, Again, it you know it doesn't really matter whether you're into it or not. Mm -hmm. And Marvel found success with that. You know, if you really, 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 really want to be into this shit, you can really, 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 really be into this shit. Yeah. But if you're just like, no, dude, I just, I, I, the family told me that we're gonna go see this movie, so we're seeing this. I, I, I'm, I'm not much into it. It's like, oh, but that's okay. We'll still, we'll still give you a good time for two hours. Yeah, we'll find and something for you, hundred percent. Yeah, and and, and you know, it feels like so. Growing up as a kid, my mom was a gigantic 
Star Wars the Next Generation or Star Trek the Next Generation fan. Like Yeah. It was always on. If it was if it was if it was on TV, it was going to be on our TV for sure. Yeah. Um, I may have not paid attention to the to to the whole thing, but it was always there, and I could always watch it with my mom and not have, you know, not feel like I've missed anything. I could have not seen three episodes before, and it's still something. Yeah, I could still be like, oh, cool, they're in space, they're coming up against whatever this episode's problem is, be it the Klingons, be it someone else. Like, it's it's still its own self-contained thing while still being able to be something that's watching it long-term can still enjoy. So in, in ways the Mandalorian feels very Star Trek formulaic for in a formulaic way, you know, the episode, the, the episodic format is a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, yeah, it, it doesn't give people the sort of serialized, deep, complex storyline that some people are really looking for. But the sometimes it's also it's like, yeah, but there's something good to be said about how it's like, dude, I just want to kill a half hour. Right. And um, and then also, you know, yeah, introducing it to people, um, finding some measure of satisfaction amongst people that aren't like diehard fans. Like that's my problem with Star Trek now to kind of to look at that series and that franchise, I am a, I'm a diehard star Trek fan, but the stuff they've been putting out lately, um, to be honest, if I had to put it into simple terms, um, I'm, I missed it when I I miss it. I, I, I miss the boring shit. You know, next gen, next gen was kind of very dialogue heavy, super dialogue heavy. It was low key. Yeah. Was there action? Yeah. I mean, there were, you know, they would have the occasional fight in a starship and stuff, but it was more like a submarine battle, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, like you said, it was, there was a lot more talking. There was a lot more, you know, like close up, you know, reaction shot stuff. But like when I, when I'm watching new Star Trek, it's just like, man, y'all, y'all seem real hard set on showing me just how much flashy shit you can cram. And then again, it's like, you know, everything's exploding. Everybody's screaming at each other and like saying a whole, and it's like, again, I'm looking at, it's like this, I can't take this and put it next to old Star Trek. And actually like, this is the, this is the same franchise. It's a, it's a big reason why. Yeah. It's a big reason why the movies never had the same feeling as the TV show to me, because the movies have a different, have a different goal in in the end right we're going to show you we got a bigger budget we're going to show you flashier things even if you're talking about you know a lot of the next generation uh cast that may have been in a movie right like it's still a different feeling you're not you're not getting one gigantic two-hour episode of star trek the next generation no you're getting an action movie you're getting a, a you know a space action movie Picard in old next generation mm-hmm. is not an action hero. He's a diplomat. That is really what he is. Yeah. But in the movies, no, he's an action hero. Absolutely. It's so, it's so different. Like, and I think what I, I haven't watched any of the newer stuff. I know you've told me about it. You were kind of jazzed about it when it first started and it probably, you know, I heard it started with a bang. Right. But I think you're and right. That might've been the problem. Right. It started with a bang. It's like, this was not the way to start this. And I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of look. I, I mean, as far as um, as far as the third season of Discovery, I've told myself it's like I'm gonna wait until that's all out, and then I'm gonna binge it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I don't like have lingering issues of anger because that's something else. You know, 
to gently segue back to Star Wars. What was interesting about the first season of Mandalorian, um, because I want to I focus on that one, not talk too much about season two, because that's we're three episodes in as of recording this. And I, I know that there are people who have not watched that, but also we can talk about season one. Yeah. Um, what was interesting about season one, and I thought it was really kind of a fun masterstroke. It's fun to come back on, like, because that, that released week to week, mm-hmm. but it's really fun to come back and watch that in one full blast because it's like, it's like four hours long total. Mm-hmm. And that's like, yeah, that's just, you know, that's a, like a, like an extra meaty movie. You can, you can kill that in an afternoon if you really want to. Right, right. But what's fascinating is, um, you know, the early episodes don't really, they don't, they, they build wonderfully. Um, you don't expect that that little Ugnot played by Nick Nolte will matter as much as he does in the final three to four episodes. Um, that, that, that IG 88 droid, it doesn't, you don't really, you don't really appreciate. He, he feels so one offish mm-hmm. when he gets shot in the head, but then it's like, no, those last couple of episodes, he is not some one off. And now it's like, you know, again, you know, we're only a couple episodes in and I kind of wonder, it's like, are we going to, are we going to do this again? Are we like all the characters and stuff that you're, they're introducing and they're showing to you and stuff. It's like, are we going to, are we going to come back with these people? You know, are we going to have, are we going to, are we going to get back to something else with them? Right. Um, if we are, that's great. I think that that, I think that that's okay. And again, it like it, it highlights how, you know, when we talk about the difference between week to week viewing and binge viewing, it's more than just preference. Um, it alters the way you absorb a story and the way you critique it and the way you treat it, because it's very easy to take pot shots at something where, well, you've only read like the first couple chapters. It's, it can't be a referendum on the whole show versus like, Nope, here's the whole book. Um, read the whole thing. And then after you've done, okay, well now you really can have a more measured opinion Mm-hmm. But you can have it more closer to the flashpoint of you being introduced to it. So you don't have to worry about this slow cook of expectations and, you know, demanding that people invest themselves in for the long term and risking them kind of like, oh, no, thanks. Because that's how it was with me in Game of Thrones. I love the first season and it was okay until about season four, season five. And then at that point, it was like, you know what? I don't really give a shit what goes on in the end anymore. Right. I just, you know, you lost me. It's unraveling. It, you can feel it unraveling. Right? And, it's, and, and, and the thing is, it's like, is that fair? Is that, is that, is that a fair and honest evaluation of the whole show? Because even now it's like, there's like a big chunk of the middle of that show that I haven't watched. I, I came back for like the last couple where it's like, okay, let's kill this monster forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the last couple, Killed the monster the forever. The fight, but the fight between the two brothers was everything I wanted it to be. Battle of the Bastards was that was that that was that was amazing. That and you know, and it was worth it for that. But everything else was just like, yep, I remember why I quit this shit back in season five. Yeah, and I can, I don't know. I, I think it's like, like you said, it's a, it, it is a double edged sword. Like maybe, maybe the people who do get to binge it straight through, maybe they feel a little more satisfaction. Um, I think, I think I enjoy being able to roll it, you know, roll it around in my brain for a week while I wait for the next thing. Like what's going to happen? Like it felt much more exciting. Like there wasn't the instant, ah, I get the next thing now. Ooh, let me go on to the next episode. Um, I find myself having to, and we've talked about this so many times, but like I find myself like when I have a full season of something at my, at my fingertips, 
I'm like, I have to remind myself, all right, maybe give yourself one or two fucking back out for a little while and come yeah. back to it. You know, we've, we've, we've been doing that on purpose with, with several things lately. Um, we did that with Utopia on Amazon. I don't know if you messed with that at all yet. It's a remake of oh, a, I haven't seen that actually. It's a remake of uh, a show out of the United Kingdom, but uh, it's really, okay. really fucking good. Um, and oh, they actually God. production dates were before the pandemic, and there's so much shit that 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 speaks to the pandemic that it's so pertinent. <laughs> it's like to the point where we had to pause it. Like on, on episode two, we paused the thing, and it's like, when were the production dates on this? Because it feels like they wrote it after the pandemic started, and it definitely wrapped shooting in like late January, early February of 2020. <laughs> and he's kind of like, holy shit yeah. balls. Um, all the way down to like the whole thing about a, va a vaccine right now, like all the way down to that, right? So it's like, we, we kind of forced ourselves to spread that out a little bit, maybe watch two here and there. Um, we, we've been, we did that with a show called Hellstrom on, uh, on Hulu, which I didn't know was part of the Marvel universe. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and it, was, it was pretty good. I feel like it got a little... A little vampire diaries esque in the middle there, but it, they looped it back around and made it nice. Um, but yeah, I think there's something to being able to look forward to something, right? Like we look forward to Fridays when uh, when uh, you know a new episode of Mandalorian comes out. Right now, we look forward to Mondays when we get a new episode of Fargo, which has been fucking excellent this season with Chris Rock. Oh my fucking god, dude! It's so good. And it, and it and both approaches result in um, different dis different types of discussion. Mm -hmm. When you have that week to week stuff, there's more predictive discussion. Right. But when you have full on binge stuff, it's just hardcore analytical discussion. Yeah. With little predictive stuff. And uh, again, you know, apples and oranges. Yeah. I don't I don't think any approach is better or worse than the other. I think it really just depends on what you're what you're into, what you're looking for. And you know, if you're wanting that week to week experience, watch it then. If you want the binge experience, then like you said, man, just hold back. I think you know? uh, I think and if you and if you've got them all yeah. and you want to do it slower, that's up to you. Yeah, you could almost do like a hybrid of it, right? I think both types of, you know, analysis have their you know that those two approaches have their merit right like there's it's fun to break something down that is that you know all right i know from start to end what this is about um it's fun to break it down in that way just like you would a movie that's a little more like you you criticize and analyze a movie right you saw the thing in a whole shot you know whereas with a tv show if it's spread out over time yeah there you can speculate a little more well what does this mean there were people who made tons of money on youtube just pontificating and 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 you know just kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen on the next episode of game of thrones and they had 20 30,000 views on their videos because they were trying to figure out what's going to happen next we're going to do a trailer breakdown you know the sneak peek breakdown from next you know the next episode of uh of game of thrones we saw them show these three things well, what could that mean? That could mean this, this, or this. And they made lots of money off of YouTube just analyzing sneak peeks. It's yeah. it's ridiculous, man. I one one approach. I I, I mean, I'd like to see. I, I, I'm maybe there's maybe this is not feasible for any number of reasons. But sometimes you'll watch a show and it's like it's a long form serialized show. Here, I guess a good example for this is uh, Marvel Agents of Shield. Mm -hmm. 
Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. went for like seven seasons, and the first seasons were definitely very Monster of the Week, Gadget of the Week kind of fare. Mm. Um, but they got to a point where they started getting a little more comfortable with serialized storytelling, but they had a way of going about it that they they really, like around season three, season four, they really found their groove and really got into it was um, was arcs. They'd right. have it was it was long form serial story serialized storytelling and everything would flow into future episodes and there was a lot of callbacks and stuff that happened before but what happened was you would get this you would get this rhythm where it would be like you'd have like five or six episodes that were all kind of a contained story and yes it led into other stuff afterward but it was like a mini season and that's something I really really enjoy I love it when I mean this is the thing with um you know currently with um with Mandalorian um kind of does this a little bit mm -hmm. where you know every season is kind of like an arc and um you know you could watch it all in one contained little bit but I I found that that was really enjoyable when I um I had when I was watching Agents of Shield I would stop and wait for it to play for a little while and then come back to it cuz so I could consume those whole arcs that was always the most satisfying to me because it made me feel like I was watching contained narratives as part of a greater whole, but the greater whole was still there. It wasn't just gadget of the week, monster of the week mm -hmm. nonsense mm -hmm. um, because there's, you know, starts out that, that I don't like it gets repetitive. They don't intend for it to, but it does. But then also the, the long for serialized part um, that gets confusing. If you are not prepared to invest a tremendous amount of time and attention into it. And that's, again, I loved their arcs. I loved their six, seven episode arcs. It's why I like Chernobyl so much. Chernobyl was not a serialized mm -hmm. show, but Chernobyl, Chernobyl was far more complex an event to cram into a two hour feature presentation. Yes. You know, and that's yeah. I I I'd like to see somebody take a stab with that. Again, maybe it's maybe it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit unfeasible. And maybe it's I mean, you know, you look at um when you look at Star Wars films and you look at the when you look at the first six episodes, that's probably that that's very close to it. Yes, they're feature presentations, but give you give George Lucas a lot of credit. Every one of those movies individually is i mean yeah i get it they're all about galactic warfare but they're all very different they all showcase very different content mm -hmm. they're arguably different kinds of stories yes they've got recurring motifs and stuff but that's what i'm talking about where it's like no every episode was meaty and kind of self-contained little mini stories as part of a grander saga also kind of how marvel films are you know, Marvel films. I mean, with that, it's more of a matter of not just necessarily the films, but also like the trilogies. You know, Iron Man's trilogy is Iron Man's little arc. And yes, there are bits and pieces more to that arc in Avengers, but that's the same thing with Captain America. And his first three movies are his little arc. And Thor and his movies are his little arc. And those Guardian movies are their little arc. And yes, there's a bigger, grander world that they take place in. And that bigger, grander world has other elements to add into their arc. But their arc stands on its own. Right. And I like that. And I want, I, I'd like, I, I, I like that feel. And I want more of a continuation of that. That's why I'm looking forward to WandaVision. WandaVision looks like its own weird, bizarro arc. And I make no moans about the fact that I am unashamedly, a shipper for that couple um it broke my heart 
when Scarlet Witch had to kill Vision at the end of Infinity War, mm -hmm. and it was kind of yeah, there is the, there's a you you can taste that bittersweet at the end of Endgame where oh man, everybody came back to life, isn't this nice? Vision's still dead. Yeah, yeah. And so I yeah I'm I, again I'm looking forward to it because I mean there was a comic um, by Tom King that um, it seems like this. Th th this new WandaVision show is drawing from a lot of different sources because there's a there's a lot to their relationship going back even into the 70s comic books. But um, there's this there was this comic that came out um, about two or three years ago by Tom King. Vision decided that he wanted a family. And so he built a wife. He used Scarlet Witch's mental patterns and built a wife. It was his it was the same kind of body as his, but put her consciousness inside this woman's head or inside this robot's head mm -hmm. and then took that consciousness and his own consciousness and sort of combined them. And then that combination, he cut in half and made a pair of twins. So it's vision, his wife, Virginia, and their children, Vin and Viv, and they're a pair of teenagers. And they move into the suburbs of Virginia outside of D.C. because Vision's taken a job working at the White House as an advisor, but he's also an Avenger, too. And so that's his day job. But then, you know, his wife, Virginia, is a housewife and their two kids just start going to school. And on the one hand, it's like, oh, well, that's really nice. But it's like, no, the truth is it's like the, the whole idea of the comic without giving it away. because I hope people read it. Um, it's about how dude, you can't have that life. Right. Can't have it all. It's not, it's not about you being a superhero. There's something about that. There's this feel, there's this, the, they, they make no, it's, it's implicit, but it's also kind of like very on the face of it's like, it's like a black family. We're moving into an all white neighborhood mm -hmm. where, there are some people that don't know how they're supposed to behave around them and they got their feelings about it. Then there are other people that are afraid and they change, but then, you know, there are other folks that just want them gone and they themselves don't really know their place in it. Um, and it's, it's a very, it's a very sad series. It's very tragic. Um, but it's also, you know, again, it's, it's a different kind of story. Um, I hope that they kind of go with that. And I, you know, I get the impression that they will on a certain level. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That one's going to be, that one's going to be real good. And it's, it's a shame that it had to be pushed in 2020 <laughs> or 2021. But I'll tell you, I honestly, I don't think that that has anything to do other than um, marketing because, yeah. um, you know, how are they going to have WandaVision out when Mandalorian's out? And it's not that a matter of it's like, oh, well, I don't have time to watch both shows. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about marketing, I'm talking about advertising. They can't advertise both at the same time. And note how right now, because WandaVision's next in line, they're kind of ramping up the advertising for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They just had an entertainment weekly thing. They've had some trailers come out. There's a rumor that another trailer's going to come out very soon. It's all part of the schedule. And same thing with Mandalorian, you know, Mandalorian had a ramp up and if there's a lesson to be learned from the solo movie, you can't just dump a star war or a Marvel on the audience and expect them to eat it. You right. got to build it up. Otherwise it don't work. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see WandaVision come out after Mandalorian's wrapped up. And then once that's done, 
then you'll see maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then after that, maybe you'll see that Bad Batch show. But you'll never see these big marquee things out at the same time. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to catch up to what HBO has structured itself, where you know how HBO does the same thing, where it's like there's the big marquee television show that comes out on Sunday uh, on Sunday night at prime time. Mm-hmm. And that's their big flagship show. And it's either Game of Thrones or... Um, Westworld or something else that's like, you know, definitely got a massive fan base, but then they also have smaller shows that lead in and lead out and they're a little more experimental. That's your Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. That's your hung, that kind of stuff where I think you'll start to see Disney get there. Um, COVID's kind of, you know, jacked up their production schedule, but I think that that's the idea is that it's like, no, I mean, you have the, we have our weekly flagship show, then we also got some frivolous stuff on the side where it's like, you know, like that's where like, you know, they, they talk about this Bad Bat show, which is like, that's kind of just like a Star Wars cartoon, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's live action or cartoon. I think they just kind of want to go back to cartoon, but it's like, that's kind of a, that, that's kind of, that's like, that's a fun lead in show mm-hmm. or lead out show, you know, but they got to get there and it's going to take some time for them to, you know, have that many concurrent projects going. Cause I mean, that's just it. Like, 2020 decided to rain on their parade right when they were starting to get into this transition into streaming. Mm -hmm. And so it's complicated things all the more, but you know, they've been doing fine. And um, you know, even now uh, this was, this is another thing. Um, So um, I, there's a rumor out there that uh, um, so wonder woman 84 is coming out soon. Yeah. Um, I hear it's actually going to hit theaters in December, but I've also heard that it's like, it's going to be in theaters for two weeks and then it's going to go to HBO max. Mm. And that's like, yeah, yeah, I can, I, I, I had imagined something like that would come down the pipe, but I think that that just got accelerated. And I'm pretty sure Disney's going to be playing that game too, where it's like, look, you know, we'll, We'll hang out in your theater for a while, but it's like, dude, the money's just not there and the money's not going to come back. And why do that when we can just get people to sign up on our service? Well, they're giving what they're doing, especially when they're linking these things together, not letting them run concurrently, maybe letting them like what HBO does, let them slightly overlap the beginning of a season and the end of a season of two big shows. Right. You know, so you can lead into the next one. Well, what they're doing is they're giving you a reason not to cancel that subscription. Right. They're, They're giving you that reason to be like, well, why you know maybe i've got two three weeks before wandavision starts why would i i'll just keep this subscription going because then i just have to restart it and all this other bullshit like i might as well just let it keep rolling um because content existing alone on a streaming platform isn't enough to keep people there right you need some new stuff filtering in because i can go through you know i can go through without something like mandalorian coming week to week or without something like wandavision week to week I can go through and like, all right, uh, in this one month, I can pay for one month and watch all the things I want to see on this platform, and then I can cancel it and not have to come back until later. So, you know, you link it in. Why, why don't I want to cancel my HBO subscription? Because in a couple of weeks, I've got a new show that I want to see. And the interconnected nature of the advertising with that content, too. Mm-hmm. Because what I think also about Wonder Woman Wonder Woman also gives them a really good reason to continue to put in your face. Hey, you know, we're coming out with that Snyder cut Mm -hmm. and it's like a germane reason to do so. And that goes back to, I mean, that's, that's been the heart of all media. Yeah. 
you know, when you think about newspapers, well, newspapers are two components. There's the content, the news that you're reading, but then also half of this thing is advertising. Yeah. And then also with movie theaters, it's like, you know, I remember, you know, back in the halcyon days when you'd go into a theater and you'd sit down and they may have some like easy listenings or classic rock, you know, kind of gently on the, on the audio. And then the lights would come down and you'd see, you know, two or three trailers, maybe. Um, now, um, the 20 is a bunch of advertising for television and for shit you can buy at the food court and stuff for 20 minutes. And then we're going to have another 25 minutes of other fucking shows. And it begs the question, it's like, are, do you want me to come watch this movie or do you want me to come and watch this advertising bullshit? And the honest answer to that question is ideally both yeah the honest question is yes question mark like it's that's that's the answer <laughs> like, but um yeah no i i'm yeah i i yeah i i think um yeah i i think that i think that that's a big part of it too i think that i think that the that the scheduling is just so much about the advertising as anything mm. and you know what i really i don't i don't distrust it because man Disney Disney's marketing could sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> right. It's it's I mean it's it's they're what they're doing they know how is to play that game. Right. <laughs> what they're doing is they're feeling their way through the dark to figure out what the new sweeps week fucking formula is because it's very different right. now. People yeah. people want to watch things when they want to watch them. And it's you know, you can't rely on okay, well, their only way of watching this show is when it's live and there's no reruns until the season's over. And even then there's sometimes not reruns. Like it's very much like we're trying to figure out what that sweeps week, you know, formula is now. And I think they're doing a good job. I think the people that laid it out are the people you said, HBO laid it out perfectly. It's like, no, you don't give them everything at once. You spread that shit out. Like, you know, yeah. And then you can let them binge it. You know, you give them the, the ability to binge it after the fact, you know, so that way anybody who hasn't caught up can catch up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely all about keeping it continued. How do we just keep that guaranteed income rolling month to month? You know, you do have you're, you're going to have that contingency of people who are just like, I'm just going to wait until the whole season's out and then I'll renew my subscription, watch it all, and cancel it. You're always going to have those people. Absolutely, mm -hmm. they're the same people who are like, I'm just going to wait for the DVD box set to come out. Those exactly. That's that. Those are always those people are always going to be there. And yes, but you're going to have your overwhelming majority of people who want to be there when that stuff comes out and they want to watch it week to week. I think, I think there's room for everybody. There's room at the table for everybody. Either way, you know, people who want to binge it are waiting and either way, the people who want to watch it week to week are going to be there. Um, something that you and I talked about, you know, several times throughout the se its season, Lovecraft country was fucking yeah. wonderful. I had such a good time with that show Another show that I was like, I was like, I can't wait to, for all this to come out to watch it week to week. I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I'm sorry to binge it to, I want to watch it week to week. It was something to look forward to me and the wife really enjoyed it. Like it really was, uh, something that was nice. I mean, we've all seen Lovecraftian things, right? We've all seen different, different, uh, takes on, on that universe. And this one was just amazingly done. I know it was based off a book that you, you said you were reading that book, right? I re I read the book as I watched it, and um, what's I treat I treat that show the way that you would treat, say, The Walking Dead. Okay, The Walking Dead show was the second draft of the comic. 
Mm-hmm. And that show, Lovecraft Country, is the second draft of that book because the book is markedly different. Um, but what I found to be fascinating was it's like they, in 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 Lovecraftian fashion, they reference the fact that oh no, the book exists in another timeline, but it's also different. And it's like, uh, <laughs> all right, well, no, no, it's supposed to be confusing. If yeah. uh, I'm, I'm trying, you're you're not you're not you're not engaging with the charm of the genre if you're not letting it be fucking weird. It's supposed to be fucking weird. You're not supposed to understand it. Um, but it's like, what do you I, know about string theory? Like, it's always yeah. that. It seems like. Uh huh. No, I and what what I also um, what I loved about Lovecraft Country actually was um, was watching people comment on it. Um, what I find the most fascinating, um, there is a small handful of people, um, particularly black cultural commentators, who hate that show. They hate how like here was something that was interesting that was pointed out um this is something that may be rather spoilery i'll try i'm gonna try really hard to kind of dance around it but um let me let me go ahead and put forward the idea so there are two characters in that show and in that book um a couple of sisters um ruby and leticia and um they have a frosty relationship they are um they are half sisters um, have differing opinions regarding their mother. Um, and uh, it's just, there's a lot of tension between them and it's, that's wonderfully acted. feels very natural, feels very real. Mm-hmm. But another thing that this, um, there was one commentator who pointed out, you know, and this is something that, you know, you see in a lot, this has been a big part of black commentary for um, black production and black acting and the perception of the audience towards black performances and black, um, black culture. Mm-hmm. Letitia is a very fit, thin, light-skinned African-American woman. On the contrast, Ruby is a very shapely, um, very dark-skinned black woman. And Letitia is kind of framed as the heroine. Letitia Mm -hmm. is framed as, no, she's the one who of the pair is a little more virtuous, a little more interesting. Um, she's the one who has a future. She's the one that we, you know, put the halo on. Whereas her sister, who, you know, is maybe a little more interesting, maybe a little more flawed, but also because she is more unashamedly black, mm-hmm. she's getting short shrift. She's the one who's kind of painted as the one who's more confused. And again, it's like, yep, it's the the fit light skinned girl. That's the one that we like, you know the the big black lady. Oh no, no, that you know she's. Uh-uh. And it's like that's that's a criticism that it's like, dude, nothing changes. More things change, more things stay the same. Right. And this also harkens back to the relationship between um, Spike Lee and Tyler Perry. Spike Lee has a very specific attitude towards black cinema mm-hmm. and black culture. Tyler Perry, his entire approach to entertainment is diametrically opposed to it. And Spike Lee makes no bones about pointing out to Tyler Perry, you are you are basically, you made yourself a billionaire putting on minstrel shows by creating content that 
feeds into every white stereotype that the power of this country wants us to be mired in so that we can't grow beyond it. And on the one hand, yeah, I guess there's arguments to be made on that. But then on the other hand, it's like, dude, Tyler Perry made himself billions of dollars because black people like his stuff. It's true. And, you know, God bless you, Spike Lee. Um, you do not speak for black people and you've got a bad habit, not just with Tyler Perry, but with anybody who sends you some kind of, of a perceived slight, you overreact to them. You, you swore off the New York Knicks because they wouldn't let you use the employee entrance anymore. Yeah, there, there is, there is a hubris thing there, right? That, that starts fucking with people, right? The, the old, that's pride fucking with you kind of shit. Like there's, there is a hubris there that allows some folks to not, I mean, it, 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 you can go back to what we were talking about with 2020. It, it, yeah. you, you're not allowing yourself to see the other side. You're not allowing yourself to be like, Hey, sometimes people want some, some shit that's up in their face. That is very pro, you know, very, very activist, very much making a statement. And sometimes people just want to shut their fucking brain off and watch a Tyler Perry movie. Like that's okay. Yeah. And, and he can't, so, you know, artists, people like anybody that some people are unable to let that happen. It's kind of like someone who takes, um, takes their, I don't know, takes takes whatever they're watching or whatever they're doing so seriously that they can't allow themselves to be okay with someone else's version of that. And and I don't say these things, I don't highlight this criticism to downplay, I mean, I, I loved Lovecraft Country. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I like the fact that, you know, it was like, it was largely an all-black crew that made that show. Mm -hmm. um, and... They apparently I, went through very, very long, painstaking uh, set design too, where they're like, nothing on that set is older than where when this is set, or is newer than when and, this is set. And don't get me wrong, it's like, and, and I also don't think, but but again, I don't want to make sure that it, it's not it's not free from criticism. I sure. will say this: this is not something I've heard from anybody, but just my own personal opinion. Man, that show that show cribbed off of Star Wars something hard. <laughs> um, there is a character in that show that is basically the black Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's a character on that show who is basically the black Anakin Skywalker. Mm. And I won't, I won't go any further into the details. I don't want to ruin it, but I do sincerely believe that. But I also, even though I pointed out, it's like, yeah, but I'm not mad that they're doing it. I think that, you know, I liked Obi-Wan and Anakin and I don't mind black versions of it. I think that's fine. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think, I, in fact, I think it's entertaining and I'll be back next season to see what happens to him. But yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, the, to come back to what you're saying, you know, there's, there's a place for both, um, you know, Tyler Perry, um, Tyler Perry can keep his billion dollars and mm -hmm. that's fantastic, but, um, nobody's going to feature his stuff at the Oscars. Right. And, you know, Spike Lee, Spike Lee hasn't gotten that Oscar and I think that's unfortunate. But, you know, he shows up there specifically because he's making stuff like Black Klansmen that's like, nope, nope, it's black and I'm going to let it be, you know, the deepest black it can be. And if it offends you, good, that was the point. Right. So, you know, again, I... Yeah, coming back to there, there's a place for everything. We're all we're all richer and better off culturally for having both. Mm. Um, black people are not a monolith. 
Right. And, you know, but Spike Lee having a problem with, with other directors, other creators is not anything new either, too. So, I mean, that's, you know, when Django came out, he was losing his mind. You know, it's, it's very much. And, 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 and and to get on Spike Lee's side, he's right. Mm. Clint Eastwood's piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Did he, am I remembering this right? Did he walk out of the Oscars one year? Did he walk I, out? Yeah, I think yeah, Black Klansman. I think he did when he lost, right? I think so. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but I, 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 I think, think I remember that happening. Um, he, well, you know, then, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. The guy, guy, guy is very passionate. Takes that shit personally. So, yeah, yes, and, yeah. You know, um, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's his that's that's his personality, and you know, credit to him that he, you know, he's going to be him. He's not going to be what people want him to be, and um, and he's found success there. And he's, you know, you know, again, he should he should be proud of his success. You know, he's unique yeah. and he's himself, and you know, he's not ordinary and he's not te- he's not he's not taken advantage of like that. And maybe there's you know a few rough edges and some other you know consequences that come along with it. But yeah, them's the fucking breaks. You know, yeah, with the NFL. And and I think you're gonna you're gonna have with any creative, you know, person in their avenue, right? Let's just say directors, right? They're going to have, there's a reason why they have their own style. There's a reason why they prefer the things they prefer. And that's going to lead them to criticize things that aren't within their fucking vision. You know, just before me and you got together, I was reading an article about David Fincher. He's got a new movie called Manco, Manco coming out next month uh, on Netflix. And, he signed a four-year deal with Netflix, man. It's fucking nuts. What kind of bugs me is I think that four-year deal killed uh, another season of Mindhunter, um, which I love that show. I don't know if you've watched it on Netflix. Yeah, a lot of people have complained about that. I, I It really bugs me that that's not going to go forward because I love all the actors in that show. I think it's a brilliant idea. But regardless, I'm reading an article about David Fincher. He's doing press right now for Manco because that comes out on December yeah. 6th, I believe. And uh, he's... He's been pretty vocal about criticizing uh, criticizing other directors. I mean, it, who's come up a lot is Orson Welles because I think he's loosely his character is loosely involved in this movie, um, and he you know he's kind of just he, he kind of talked to Or about Orson Welles and how very full of hubris he was, which probably led to him not having a great you know that much that great of a uh, I guess uh, career after Citizen Kane. Um, and then he also brought up Joker and, uh, talked about how he's like, he didn't quite understand how, uh, people were so happy about this movie that was essentially taxi driver and the comedian mashed into one movie with a different character, but he was surprised at how well a movie that dark did. (laughs) Yeah. Joker's weird, man. It's a very weird movie. I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I like half of it. Okay. And that's what I think that's where I think its success really lies in. Um but also it's its biggest flaw. It's schizophrenic, mm-hmm. which on brand for the for the title. Sure. Um but no, it's like that movie, that movie's two movies. The first half of it is a dude who is slowly descending into madness and he's a victim of it. And then he becomes the Joker. And then it becomes a Joker movie that really doesn't have much to do with the first half of it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
And I think that, again, that's like, that's the biggest slur you can call against it, but it's also part of its appeal because that first half of the movie, that appealed to a certain amount of people. Yeah. Second half of that movie appealed to another group of people. The first, first of it, it, the first half of that movie is about social justice and it appeals to people who say, they, you can point to it and say, this is why we need social justice. This is why we need to take care of people in our society. And then you have the other half of the movie, which is about, no, nah, man, fuck this place. This place doesn't care about anybody. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good your intentions. The, you know, the bad people win, the good people lose. So let's burn it all the fuck down. These are two completely diametrically opposed views of society. One wants to save it. One wants to destroy it. And that appeal, when you're going for both of those tracks at the same time, you can fit a lot of cars into two lanes like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it made the kind of money it did. It made a splash like it did. Um, and yeah, I mean, you you, you kind of you talk about Taxi Driver and other films. It's like, yeah, it was meant to be provocative. It was meant to shock people. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it also, you know, it um I don't want to say it's bad, but I think it's it's challenging to the average viewer to compartmentalize a story like that because they feel again, they feel so like they shouldn't be together. And I also kind of think that it's like, you know, you 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 told a great origin story for Joker and then you didn't really know what to do with him, which also is similar to some of those phase 1 Marvel films. Captain America and Iron Man and Thor. Um, man, the first 40, 45 minutes of those movies where it's just the origin stories mm-hmm. are just pitch perfect. But then it's like, okay, once you've told the origin story and it's like, all right, now we have like, oh, I don't know, another 40-ish minutes of stuff. It's like, all right, uh, go get a villain and throw some special effects up there and have a fight. Right. And that's kind of what it felt like with Joker where it was like, well, there is no we can't put Batman in this movie because Batman's 12. Um, and so we can't have a big fight with anybody. So it's, let's, you know, let's just have a riot. And it's, yeah, again, it just kind of felt, and then, and then he dances in it. And it's like, it's just kind of, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It just felt like they were both like both halves of that movie are halves of other movies that got cut off from their respective movies and put together and sold as a movie. Um, But, you know, it's something that I think I'm the the prospect of Joker that makes me most uncomfortable is the idea of let's make a sequel out of it. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Let let it be itself. You, You know, I'm not saying don't ever do anything with the Joker again, but there's this rumor that like they're going to bring back um, Jared Leto for um, the uh, for the director's cut for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And while I did not like that version of the Joker, I actually I'm kind of like, yeah, no, no, actually, yeah, I kind of I'm, I'm down with that idea. Not because I want you to put a nail in the coffin of that other movie, but because I I want you to lean heavier into the idea that there can be different flavors of these characters Um, and they can all kind of happen at the same time, which Marvel people don't get it. Marvel's going to get there because the multiverse thing, that was why that Spider-Man multiverse movie did so well is because front and center, that's what it was about kind of confronting the audience with, Hey, guess what? This character that you love, the reason you love him is because we found such great ability to reimagine him and reinvent him 
And tons of comic book characters are like that because we're talking about characters that were not designed to last for decades and decades and decades, but that's exactly what happened. Right. And, you know, I mean, they were, they were cheap entertainment. They were meant to, you know, take a dime out of a kid's pocket and, you know, waste their time for half an hour. Um, but they've now become, you know, mainstays of cultural American folklore. So, no, I, I, I didn't hate Joker, but Joker is not, Joker doesn't fit into the big universe mainstream continuity formula the way the audience kind of craves it to, which is part of its appeal, but also just, you know, it, it hinders it and yeah. it's, and, 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 you know, I don't think that that speaks ill of the director. It certainly doesn't speak ill of Joaquin Phoenix, man. That guy took us places with that role. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it needs to just kind of remain something almost apocryphal. Yeah. Well, I think, I think too, it's it wouldn't something like that be more comic book than anything else right like that would be the yeah. most comic book move to make is like no this is just this is just a one-off just like there's one-offs in comic books there's there's a fucking dc comic called the three jokers like there are different yeah. jokers that exist so it's like you might as well get the mainstream comfortable with that fact because we're 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 on we're on board next year marvel's going to have a cartoon series that is a reflection of a long-running comic sideshow called what if mm -hmm. you know let's let's take established storylines and just fuck them up just for just for shits and giggles like what if this and, happened like yeah absolutely yeah. and they've i mean honestly dude they've had like they they've had events that are basically what if like house of m House of M is a great big what if event where what if mutants didn't exist? Mm. You know, that's that's literally House of M. That's and crazy. The ripple effects of that were, you know, ever since House of M, Marvel print publishing has been, you know, doing the the big, huge, massive universe crossovers. And more often than not, they kind of come at to this with this whole what if thing like Siege. What if the world thought the Avengers were evil? Mm. Um, civil war, you know, what if, what if the superheroes started fighting each other? You know, that's, that's, that's what comics have always been about. They're, you know, comic books and superhero, the genre itself, the superhero genre is about cramming every single genre into one, which is again, just one great big, what if experiment for many years, Marvel was called the house of big ideas with a capital B and a capital I just because it was just willing to embrace this batshit weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that was kind of a niche thing for people for a while, but it's now grown into a bigger thing, not just with that franchise and not just with superheroes, but with all kinds of genre fiction. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, but, uh, to come back to Dave Fincher, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm real glad that the, he did the deal with Netflix because um, Dave Fincher is not going to be able to survive in the current um, big tent studio landscape. Um, 
I think that that's a good place for him. I'm actually really glad that he and Aaron Sorkin are both in the Netflix banner because it just adds fuel to the fire for my hope against hope that we'll get a social network sequel Mm. because it's time. It's time for a social network sequel. Think about it. I was thinking about that the other day. How much has shit changed? Yeah. Just bring back Eisenberg. You don't need to bring back any of the other characters. None of the characters doesn't matter. You have a whole new other cast of characters, and it really is a legit sequel. What is it like when this dude is out of college and running this? And like the big, the big premiere scenes will be him in front of Congress. Yeah. And that's, dude, that would be a casting call for the ages of, I mean, how many real life people do we get to go get actors for, actresses for? You know? How many politicians are we going to go get fake stuff for? How many of these Silicon Valley personalities um, that we're going to go, you know, find actors and actresses for? I think that that's a hell of a project. And it's like you wouldn't. I don't think that they could get funding for that kind of stuff outside of Netflix anymore anyway. Mm -mm. So I'm glad that I'm uh, that that's I'm 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 happy and hopeful that they do that. Um, Not every. I was having a conversation with some friends the other day. Somebody made a crack about how it's like, oh, so um, David Fincher's going to go and he's got his multi-year Netflix. And he's like, he basically said, oh, well, so is this, so is he going to go out on a big farm and do content that isn't anything like what he likes it, what we thought we liked about him anymore. And it's going to ruin him. And it's like, that's a, that's a fun Dave Chappelle joke, but let's be real. Netflix didn't ruin Dave Chappelle. Comedy Central ruined Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. That's what that that last season that he didn't release that he was, you know, fucking, uh, you know, escaped afterward. Notice it was after that that he started to really change prior to that. Look at all of his HBO specials. Look at all of his stuff that he's produced, all the movies he was in. He was one kind of person. But it was after that special. um, What I really think is the flashpoint. You remember hearing about how Dave Chappelle for a minute went to he, he he held the record. He had shattered a record that was held by Dane Cook of all assholes. Um, Dane Cook was like the record holder for the longest stand up set. Okay. And Dave Chappelle went and just shattered it. It was like eight hours or something. Obliterated I don't know. But it. The, yeah. But then then, you know, Dane Cook was like Ugh! and he went and like did a 15 hour set or something. And it was like. Okay, it's a, it's a useless thing to you know pat yourself on the back on just for that point. But then also, I got to thinking, it's like seriously, Dave Chappelle went on stage for eight hours and told eight hours worth of triple A joke material. Really, mm. I'm willing to bet what actually happened is he went up there and yeah, he was telling some jokes, but it was him just philosophizing and pontificating and not telling jokes. But actually, I think that's how he got into his current set of how he does a stand-up special now mm. notice a lot of his his a lot of his netflix content it's not jokes not really it's him philosophizing it's him pulling a george carlin george carlin in like the the old crotchety part of his career the last couple of hbo specials yes there's jokes and he's a very very funny man a very very deeply gifted writer um but what it really is, it's it's about an angry old man railing on the world. And it's yeah. for as much as you hear people laughing, what you really have is people. He doesn't take pauses for people to laugh. He takes pauses for people to clap. And I think that you can trace that back to that eight hour set he did. Mm-hmm. And I think he found, hey, I kind of like doing this. Right, right. And it was less about people laughing 
And I, again, I think that he was more interested in, I want to tell you people straight what I really feel and not cloak it in jokes because that's what ruined Chappelle's show. Chappelle's show, he was trying to tell people something about the nature of racism in this country and he was packaging it in jokes so that people could take it. But if you watch, he gave an interview on Oprah when they ask like, what, what changed? What did it? And he tells a story about how they were doing, a, they were doing a bit, they were doing a skit. You can find pieces of this online. You can find little um, bits and pieces of unfinished material. He was playing like a, a spoof of the tooth fairy, but it was the black fairy. And he was like hung up in the air in front of a green screen and flying about. And they were doing the scene and they were, you know, doing their usual Chappelle show shit. But at a certain point he like looked over, it's like everybody in the crew is laughing, but then he looked at this one white stage hand who was laughing and he was kind of like, you know, he tells a story about how it's like, you know, it, it felt like in that moment, you know, I noticed something I hadn't noticed before. It felt like he wasn't laughing with me. He was laughing at me. And it felt like I was making a joke for him. And then he also talked about how it's like, you know, he'd go out into the world. He'd go, he'd go to Disneyland with his kids. Yeah. And there's just white people all over the place. Just he, he can't go two minutes out being in Disneyland with his kids without somebody, some stranger coming to go, I'm Rick James, bitch. Mm. And it's like, y'all people just can't remove yourself from the joke. And I think that's what kind of made him get away from jokes. Um, because it's like, no, y'all, y'all ain't taking me seriously. Y'all are laughing, and I don't want you to laugh. I want you to agree with me and I want you to recognize what I'm trying to say, but it's not funny anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I, I mean, again, I think that kind of broke Dave Chappelle for people, but it wasn't Netflix that did that. You know, Netflix just provides him a platform for that new kind of content, whether you dig it or not. Right. Um, and it, I mean, again, that joke, not wrong within the context of Dave Chappelle, but I don't know if it's fair in the context of Dave Fincher, because um, the truth is um, prior to this deal, there was a Dave Fincher thing that he did on Netflix that I really liked. And it was the pilot for house of cards. The pilot of house of cards is the high watermark of that show that slowly descends into madness after he just walked away. He set the tone, he set the look, which is a great tone and a oh. great look. It's the David it's Fincher, dark, you know, kind of moody jazz shit mm -hmm. adults who were, you know, you know, cursing each other behind, under their breath and stuff. Um, he came and basically everybody just kind of replicated it, but it was Xeroxing a Xerox after a Xerox over time. And it just kind of looked nothing like his style anymore after about season two. Um, but I want to see that again. I want to see that kind of caliber of stuff. And hopefully they give him enough birth to do that. Um, because yeah. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dave Fincher have been, I mean, shit. I didn't know that he directed seven until after I had seen fight club, mm -hmm. but I loved seven before I saw fight club. Still no. one of my favorite movies. Like it's just his style is, is so good. And his, you know, just, it just, it hits a level of grit, which he even gave, like I said, he gave props to Joker. He's like, he's like, it's a dark gritty movie. And I'm surprised it did so well. And he even referenced, yeah. he even referenced fight club. He was like, he was like, he's like the, the fact that fight club got made, you know, everybody thought their careers were over after we were done with it, after it flopped at the at the box office. He's like, it was a miracle that movie got made, and what made it sustain was 
after the box office. What made it sustain was all the people watching it on DVD and, and all that stuff. Like he's like, it's just Fight it's Club wild. is grimy. Super you grimy. Feel, you feel unclean after you've watched that movie. Yeah. And again, it's like that's not an accident. And and like, dude, there are so few movies that actually make you feel that way. And that's mm. the same thing with seven. Man, you feel like you need a fucking shower after you watch that. Yeah. It's a level of bleakness that is so so refined and polished and it's it, but it's like, but again it's something oxymoronic but it's like yeah but these movies look so fucking gross not gross as in disgusting but like gross as in oh oh honey don't touch that right no no don't don't touch that. no wash go wash your hands right you know that kind of a thing and yeah no i yeah 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 joker had that and it was it wasn't an accident they went to went to great lengths yeah great lengths to achieve that dirty 80s urban feel where it's like you can go like if you go grab kind of a low budget movie from that era mm. they were doing that and it was just kind of happening on accident like go watch the original child's play it's almost like they shot that movie on the same set as the joker films <laughs> it's like it's the shitty dirty parts of chicago yeah and it's like Dude, no, that was just like, that was just like, no, we went scouting out in some crappy neighborhood. We found an old building. We can use it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of wild, uh, you know, thinking about Joker, cause it got some of this flack when it came out and in, and in ways to me, it relates to fight club, which for the longest time, you know, people loved it at some point, people turned it into like, oh, this is, this is a very incel horrible thing and it's got it kind of got the stigma of like oh is your is your older brother a, a fucking fight club bro man is that yeah i wonder where that switch happened it's almost like the people the people who resented who resented that i don't know that people that like that movie all of a sudden got this voice that was just like oh you're just you're one of those people who love fight club and i'm just like yeah i fucking like fight club like what is that what are you talking about like i thought it was a great movie Counterculture is a rose by any other name. Okay. That's what those movies represent. They right. represent a cut against the culture. And yeah, people who are invested in normal straight culture, yeah, they're going to be like, what the fuck? What do you mean you like it? I like it because it's poking fun at the status quo. Mm -hmm. I like it because it confirms for me what I suspect is that, look, don't get me wrong. I appreciate my happy, safe suburban life as much as anybody else, but it's fake. Sure, And it's devoid of real meaning in a way that this dirty, unsafe place. I don't feel like I'm alive yeah. here the way I feel like I'm alive and I'm surviving out there. That, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And it's what's interesting about that is it's kind of the message that's carrying on in this current season of Fargo. Um, this current season of Fargo is not based in Fargo, amazingly. Like and most of the seasons aren't. Most of the seasons are based somewhere else. But Fargo, the Fargo syndicate, you know, is kind of always a running theme in the background. They're involved in some way. Um, but this one takes place in Kansas City, Missouri, 1950, um, okay. focusing mainly on uh, the the black organized crime side of Kansas City and the Italian 
organized crime side of um, Kansas City. And what's interesting about okay. it is there it's got it's got that look and feel that little bit of quirkiness that comes with you know anything the Cohen brothers have had an involvement in, which they they don't really have too much involvement in the other than the fact that they created the original movie, but it still has the same feel that the original Fargo gave you. Um, but there is a very interesting underlying theme uh, that is brought out through the dialogue between Italian Americans and African Americans involved in this show. And the fact that they, they talk about how they can see how fake and how, um, and how much of a put on the American dream is and how much it's just like compared to, especially in this time period, because you have a lot of, um, Italians especially involved that are here getting away from World War II, getting away from that whole situation, and some of them that were even involved directly in the situation that got away from it, and how they're just kind of like, here there's the image of opportunity. There's all this stuff that that is built to make you feel better when coming from somewhere else, we know that that's not the case. And it's just a really, it's just, I think what's so brilliant about this one compared to the others is a Chris Rock is amazing at delivering, uh, delivering stories and amazing at delivering dialogue. And, you know, to see all these other actors kind of mesh with him and, and present like an interesting look at America around that time, it still rings very true for what we're going through today. And yeah. they 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 relate it very very fucking well, and you know to go to just step back for a second to Lovecraft Country, the message in Lovecraft Country, like what's the true horror there, right? Is it is it the is it the Lovecraftian stuff, or is it the fucking sundown towns in the Southeast United yeah. States? Like what's the more what's more scary, the real life shit or the fucking sci fi shit? And to have it come out at a time when it did, which is at the height of George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. Like, it's almost like this weird aligning of the stars because clearly the production was done way before all this, all those movements. But the release just happened right at the right time. Fargo's doing the same thing, uh, only 1950s, and I mean, uh, kind of a similar time time period as Lovecraft. But man, it is just, it is hitting all these things that are just kind of like wow. What's true then is still very fucking true now. When you talk about Italian folks around the 50s, mm -hmm. you're talking about a very weird time. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a time when the mob was still very powerful, mm -hmm. but also um, the mob had entered into, the mob had become a mainstay of, um, of cultural America. People had their, um, people had opinions about the mob that, were both stereotypical, but also legendary, you know? Um, but on top of that, it's like, you know, it's a, it's an interesting and fascinating moment because um, one of the interesting consequences of the civil rights era in the sixties um, was that was the beginning of the Southern strategy when entrenched white power in this country came to the conclusion that, well, because of civil rights, um, we have totally lost, we, we, we've 
kind of, you know, we've got this huge block of voters, which is going to vote with the other side every single time. And just in sheer numbers, we cannot, we, we, we need more, we need more voters Mm -hmm. and their solution to this problem was to like, in that time, you know, prior to the civil rights era, um, white people were Anglo-Saxon people. Irish people weren't really white people, Irish people and Italian people and Jewish people. Those are the white people that white people hated, but the Southern strategy was all about telling a lot of white people again, down in the South, Hey, you know, you're, you're, or, or, I'm sorry, telling all these quote unquote, non-white people who are white telling them, Hey, you know, you can be in the club now. Mm. And there's a quote by Lyndon Baines Johnson that gets to this. It's um, the quote is, you know, I'll tell you what's at the heart of it. If you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the, than the highest black man, he won't care if you're picking his pocket. Hell, if you give him somebody to look down on, he'll empty his pockets for you. And that was the heart of the Southern strategy. And that's in many ways kind of similar to white grievance in the modern era. Um, you know, these people are getting away from that social compact that many of them agreed to where it's like, you know, just, just let me live this fantasy where I'm better than them. I don't care if tax policy never helps me. I don't care if I get black lung disease. I don't care if you will never respect me and you will laugh about me behind closed doors. Just give me some perceivable bomb for my ego don't make me feel like i'm really in a rat race because that's what's happening a lot of these white folks are waking up to the reality look the truth is nothing actually changed the truth is these entrenched white moneyed interests never gave a shit about you they're just using you and that's why you're seeing a quote unquote million MAGA march happening in Washington. And they're saying Fox News sucks. It's because they're waking up to the fact that they were the pawns in the Southern strategy. Mm. It's been a very interesting four years. Could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's yeah. my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm a, I'm a white guy talking about that from the outside and I didn't live during that time. So mm. I could be full of shit, but that's, 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 that's my, that's my analysis. Well, it's, Luke it's, warm it's take it's, lukewarm take as it is. Sure. Well, <laughs> and that's, but that's always been a strategy, right? Like how can we get people that maybe would never give a shit about X, Y, Z to give a shit about X, Y, Z. We make it fucking personal, right? You make it fucking personal. You make it something that's, uh, you know, a threat on, your 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 liberty a threat on your freedom like we talked about you know the pandemic and the fact that oh i'm uncomfortable wearing a mask like you're taking you know what about my freedom what about my freedom to to wear what i want to wear it's like it's some at some point what about my freedom to die yeah that's what it was about it wasn't about my freedom to wear a mask what about my freedom to die that was the same thing as like you really you really need to get out of new orleans because this hurricane is not a joke well i'm not going to well you're gonna die then i'll die mm. and, it's, and now it's like what why? that is is it's 
that's not a desire to die. That's a desire to defy. That's a desire to anybody who's telling you to do something. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm not taking the vaccine. I'm not giving my kids this vaccine and I'll make up any kind of horrible, horrific story to make up my reasons not to do it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe what the media says because there's some random asshole who won't identify himself on 4chan who says so, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, and there's very much, it taps into a, you know, we've talked about generational things a lot, but there's something that taps into particularly, um, a generation that spans from us up to like, let's just say between us and grandparent age, right? Um, where they've lived a life where they haven't had to be told really what to do in, a, you know, a whole lot. You know, they, there weren't any, there weren't, the, there weren't the kind of stakes that were say during the great depression or mm-hmm. world war two, where it's like, yeah, we're telling you what to do, but if you don't, the enemy will come and kill every last living one of us. And if you think we're wrong, take a look at this film strip from Pearl Harbor. Take a look at these film strips from when we hit the concentration camps up in Germany. Look at how thin this man is. Watches him cheerfully tell you a story about how they marched his family into a gas chamber and then they skinned them and turned that skin into a lampshade. That was when we got people on board with, no, just do it. But now, yeah, like you said, you know, we've been... We've been marinating in 40 years worth of Reagan era hyper individualism, and it's just left us all so unprepared to sacrifice anything, mm-hmm. anything at all. And it speaks to how powerless the, the power bankruptcy of some people when they have so little to feel proud of and to value in their lives short of their race their gender and their capacity to tell people they've never met. Fuck you. Yeah. And that's the only real good they have. That's the only, that's the only things that they're actually proud of is that stuff. It, again, it speaks to how truly bankrupt their lives are, how lacking in meaning and in perspective and power that they really have. These people are powerless. Mm-hmm. These people can't even get Fox news to give them the disinformation they want anymore. They can't have their safe space on Twitter anymore. They can't do it. And it's, I'm, I mean, again, it's, I'm sure that's real uncomfortable, but maybe there are questions to ask yourself about why that's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, What's been funny to me, and and I know we're we're not going to get like crazy political, but I mean, who gives a shit? But what's really funny to me is like just to see the reaction and in, in 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 some people the well, we don't think we don't think this was done right, so let's just give it to the person we think should win. Like it's just kind of like, well, wait a minute, what happened to this last time around? Last time around, exactly, exactly. Last time around, there was a there was a very big problem with people voicing their concern with their person not winning you know it's and and i it doesn't even have to do with politics it's just kind of it has to do with the fact that one side just wants what they want right no not fair i didn't get what i want that's not fair i should get what i want because i'm used to getting what i want for the past four years how many chat conversations how many twitter threads how many like you know opinion personality cable news screeds did we hear about how no 
there's a chance we could we could prove them right. And it's like, no, no, dude, you lost. It's and that's where we're at now. The other side is like <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like four years ago it didn't even happen. Acceptance were, is a son of a bitch, man. It's a son of a bitch for people. And the whiplash of being on the other side of the table talking about cry more libs. It's like, I mean, life comes at you fast, bro. Here we are, full circle. Um, or at least at least a health a healthy 180. Um, no, I I I'll tell you, man, I what's really sad, we can't just rely on the holidays kind of smoothing some things over because there are no holidays this year man no. it's, it's i mean don't get me wrong um people are going to be tested in a way they have never been tested before mm. nobody alive today like honestly the people who are alive today who remember the great depression are in their 90s i mean th that's not a large part of our population the vast majority of our population have never ever ever faced this kind of serious danger not just to their lives as in no it could kill you but your livelihood and you can, i mean seriously you cannot go home for christmas you can't do it it's dangerous and when i mean here we are now for the last four days in a row we have broken covid case records and when we get to that place where we're past the curve and we can't treat all these people and we start triaging folks and we start getting to February and it's like there's 400,000 people dead in February. And I mean, we're already in the middle of it. It's like as much as you want to escape into your consumption, your season of consumption, you can't actually. And that's the whole problem. Like I have the, I, Coming back to a theme I've come back to many times, I believe in the theory of the my theory of season of consumption and season of spectacle mm -hmm. both got fucked up this year. We oh. couldn't have our spectacle because we didn't get to have any of our movies. Okay. We didn't get to actually do politics right this year. Politics is the quadrennial season of spectacle where, oh yeah, I mean, we have our rallies and we have, you know, our debates and all this stuff. It's like, no, we didn't really get to do that stuff that way this time. It was very, very alien to us. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to have our movies. We don't get to have our TV and our video games, all that's getting pushed back in next year. And now our season of consumption is getting fucked up because I mean, shit, toilet paper is a luxury let alone, you know, the big hot shit dinner you're going to have with your family. You're not going to have a big hot shit dinner because it's just going to be you and maybe two other people in your house. You're not going to be able to do the big, huge dinner anymore because you don't have a lot of people around you. And that's fucking with people. You know, the, the, the spectacle and consumption are not just cultural mainstays. They are, they are practical devices to keep people sane and to keep people calm. You know, the winter is a shitty time of year anyway. The reason why we're consuming all this shit is to distract us from the fact that we can't go outside and it's fucking freezing. Mm. So play this video game and eat this turkey leg and have another drink. And it'll it'll kind of cool you off. And we've been doing it. For, it's the reason why Christmas occurs at this time of the year. Right. Jesus wasn't born in the dead of winter. Not with flocks of sheep running around, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting year. You know, um, 
you're going to have a lot of hurt feelings. You're going to have a lot of people that are like, that are not going to understand because you're going to still have a lot of people who are going to do it anyway. They're going to do it anyway. And, and they're going to take offense that you won't join them in their irresponsibility. And yep. it's like, it's not that I don't hate you. And it's not that I don't want to see you, but man, you're really, you're, you're taking this whole, can I, can I patch in with discord or Skype? And I'm happy to see you. And I, I want to talk to you and I want to interact with you, but I can't be near you. Oh, I don't want to. It's like, why, why are you pretending that this is a big deal? It's actually not hard. Don't act like you don't know how to use these technologies, mm. you know? And it's, yeah, it, it's fueled all the more by this crushing loss for some people. It's just, it's man, it's a disaster of Voltron. Mm. And, you know, I know there's going to be hurt feelings, but you know, there's, there's shit going on in people's lives and there's shit going on in my life where it's like we, me and the wife are not taking chances. Like we're not going yeah. anywhere this year. Yeah. It's just not happening, you know? And it's not like we're choosing one side or the other. And we're like, Hey, we're not going to see this year. It's, it's, it, it actually does help to have a family that, that is a little bit fractured, you know, so you have to choose some years. Like, we, we hung out with you guys last year. We're going to go to this year. We're going to go to this this side of the family because you guys couldn't get along back in the day. <laughs> it's like, so let's let's do, but but now it's it's one of those things where it's like, no, we're going to see nobody else. If you want to video chat with us, you can. We're going to be home. We're going to be careful. You know, I, I you know, we talked about this a little bit before, before we got started. Um, and I haven't really said it on here, but me and the wife are expecting. And with that comes a a new thing to think about right a new individual person to think about and as soon as as soon as we started going to the doctor the doctor was very clear with us like we don't know how this affects unborn children right now we don't know what happens we know that mortality rates for pregnant women are higher than normal women that aren't pregnant you know that, that don't get infected and you are automatically considered a high risk so and as you mentioned yeah. You know, congr congratulations. Thank you. I've known you all for years. You're my family and I love you. Thank you. Um, and I, you know, I, I agree. I think you're doing the right thing because, you know, you're right. There's a shift. I'm not a parent, but I know enough parents to understand that the ones that do it right are the ones that get it into their head almost immediately that your life isn't your life anymore. Your life is a foundation for someone else's life. You are here to now provide stability for their development and their existence. That is what your life is now. And yes, you're sacrificing a lot of freedom, but you're gaining meaning from it. Mm. And coming back to how we started this all out, you know, about how you don't want to pretend that there are truisms to life, but there are, and survival is one of them. Survival has transcended every era we have existed in, any geographical or cultural consideration. Continuity is the basis of mammalian propagation. Mm. And yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where that that's probably the most heartbreaking thing about watching 
it's it's why I have such a I have a I have a like a vitriolic position against anti-vaxxers mm. because it almost feel again I'm not a parent but it's seriously it's like I know I'm supposed to respect that they're your kids and you can make your own choices but it's like you are making the choice to put your kids at risk. And you are also by proxy making the choice to put other kids at risk. And that's just, that is, that is the bedrock of bad parenting. I'm not going to congratulate you for it. I'm not going to respect your decision. I'm going to tolerate your decision because legally we cannot go elsewhere, you know? Mm. And, and that's, that's unfortunate. Again, I'm, if, if this were just your own dumbass decision about your own health. Okay. Um, but the fact that you're putting your kids and other kids at risk in the name of principle, you know, standing in his vanity, I'm sorry, you're going to get nothing but contempt from me for that shit. Yeah. And so I, again, I, I think, I think y'all are doing the right thing. Um, and you know, that kind of discipline, that kind of seriousness has a price, but there is a delayed reward that is so much more worth it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, do what needs to be done. I want y'all to be happy. I want your kid to be healthy. You'll deserve it. And so, yeah, whatever's got to be done, just do it. Yeah. Just, and if anybody else disagree with you? Fuck them. Right. Period. And, and no, and honestly, no matter how close they are to you or per, how, how yeah. close you perceive them to be, because if they do care about you, they're going to understand they're going to they're, they're going to it's going to suck. And I just feel like this is an important thing to get out to anybody that's concerned about traveling or concerned about going to a big family gathering. There is a reason why colleges, a lot of the colleges, including, you know, ones here in Georgia are not going back to class in person after uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because you're getting exposed to so many more people that are coming to town from other places. You're traveling somewhere. No telling how many people you're getting in touch. It is the most traveled portion of the year. And yeah. I just, you know, it's it's very, if, if you don't feel comfortable, don't fucking go. Like, it's just, and if, if and people if, don't understand that, they, 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 then you need to do your best to explain it to them and just let them cool the fuck off. That's all you can do. And, you know, look, I may be, uh, look, I, I know that I've, you know, I, I live in a bunker for a living in a database, but don't get me wrong. You know, I make a point to get out in the LMD every now and again, and mm. maybe this is naive, but you know what? I'll take it because what little comfort I can take in this time of the year when I really need it, you know, I am so focused on making plans and preparing for when this goes away this will go away mm. and when it does i'm getting the fuck out i'm gonna yeah. get the fuck out i've already i've already made arrangements I've, it's already paid for i've already arranged for the lmd it's on layaway and it's you know it's it, it's for when i want to use it but when i can i'm jumping in that thing and i'm going to las fucking vegas and i'm going to ball the fuck out and i'm gonna savor every last second of it and i'm gonna burn a lot of money but you know what i need to and i need to i need to cling to that hope and i need to have that to remind myself look this is this is why you're doing it this is why you're you know forcing yourself into this position it's so that yeah 
You can be alive to do that shit because right now I ain't fucking going. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, I get it. It's an LMD, but it's, it's, it's made out of organic materials. It can still be infected. And I'm also, it's like, dude, the buffets are closed. You know, there's Mm -hmm. fucking metal detectors because it's the only people that are going to Las Vegas right now are a very certain crowd a crowd that likes to shoot each other <laughs> and um i'm uh, vegas do doesn't have that. a good past with just well saying. that's something that's interesting is it's like you know on the one hand you think to yourself it's like oh my god it's so violent it's like you know that the you know the mob built this city right yeah <laughs> you, you check realize out called, check, out, check out a movie called casino okay <laughs> this, this is yeah, dude we're, we're we're getting back to basics there's a lot of blood in this mortar here i hope you know that <laughs> that's a, a required mixing agent for the mortar out in las vegas is blood it's 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 all part of the glamour um but but i no i think that um i think that we all need to have that i think that we all need we need those things they're not these aren't fantasies these are mm. dreams these are goals mm-hmm. these are these are things that will be done when we get out of this woods when we get out of this fucking woods i am pulling out the champagne i am giving everyone a cigar i don't care if you smoke or not because we did it we made it yeah Uh, because i mean think of uh, like what there's there'd be plenty of reasons to celebrate right think of the people that didn't make it like that there's a lot of them and there's going to be a lot more sadly like it sucks there's going to be a lot more and it's just kind of like Man, Are you going to be one of them? I, I, because I'm I, sure as shit not. Yeah, it's yep. just like, be smart about it. The, the temptation's real, and I get it. There's There are people that spend their entire, that you, maybe you're away at school. Maybe you're, you know, you have to go somewhere else. You know, you had to move away for a job. And that's that's your, the, the high point of your year is going back to visit family, going back to visit friends for the holidays. And it sucks that you have to give that up. You know, it sucks that you have to give that up for a year you know, or or however long to make sure that you're okay. And you can only hope that the people you love are either feel the same way or are lucky enough to dodge the bullets that they're ignoring. Or at least have the emotional maturity to just let it slide. Right. And not make, and not make it, not make it something that has to ruin our relationship forever. You know, there's, I mean, I got plenty of people that I'm connected to. Some of them don't take this as seriously as I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, you know, I, I really hope that I, I really hope that you don't, I really hope you can make it out on the other side. You'll do what you want to do. Um, I disagree with it. It's not how I'm going to take it. Um, and as long as we're okay with that, as long as I can let you have your position on it, you can let me have my position. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, where I do draw the line is it's like, um, look, you know, seriously, don't show up at my house, keep your fucking distance. And if you can't, if you can't, you know, at least I'm not asking you to respect it. I'm asking you to tolerate my behavior here. Then man, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see you on the other side. All right. It, it is. It's, it's very awkward. You know, I saw our buddy Banshee uh, just the other day. He, uh, he he's borrowing some equipment from me. It, it's very awkward not to, to to not be able to invite someone in to, to come yeah. to come in, to come inside. Let's have a beer. Let's sit at the table. You know, we, we did talk. We sat around and, you know, we stood around and talked outside with masks on for an hour. 
Like it's we yeah. miss that's having the best that. you can get. That's, that's yeah. the best you can get and you'll take it. But yeah, it's just, I feel you. It's, you know, it's very clear that that's something that's been lacking for the better part of a year at this point. You know, it's just, it's something that you can't just go and, and go to like, yeah, you know, me and Banshee every now and then we'd get together and, you know, have some beers and, and chat a little bit. And it was one of those things where it's like, man, I do miss doing that. But both of us know what the stakes are in doing that. And it's not worth it. He's got a family. I've got a family coming up. You know, it's, it's just not worth it, you know? Well, and also, I mean, aside from you've got a family, it's like you have a life. You have a life. Yeah, absolutely. You have, you have a few of a future self that does not need to be canceled prematurely. Yeah. It's not worth the, it's not worth the, the, the risk, you know, and a lot of people, the, the, the thing is a lot of people are like, I bet if I got it, I'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You might be fine. You might not be, but what about the other people you could come in contact with? They might not and be all those, fine. All those fun stories you hear about, oh yeah, lingering cognitive difficulties that can never go away, you know, <sighs> breathing problems that will never go away. It's like, oh, but I got it, but I'm okay. It's like, or you could just not get it. Yeah. I've got, I've I got a good friend I'm thinking about right now that got it. And he's, he's told me, you know, he did the right, you know, he did the right thing. You know, he was, he was abiding by everything he could, but he managed to end up getting it. And yeah. And he is, has been telling me about the cognitive problems he's had. He's like, it's, it's hard to focus. I have to remind myself of things. A lot of times my short term memory is shit. Like he's like, it's, it's not fun. He's like, and I'm over it. He's like, it's out of my, you know, it's out of my system. I'm not showing any symptoms. I'm not testing positive. He's like, but it's all still there as far as the after effects and they affect everyone differently. And that's what's scary. Like, which, which one do you get? You know, which one do you get? Maybe you're, yeah, yeah. sure. Maybe you're a person that doesn't show any symptoms and that has no effects, but who are you giving that to? And that's, that's where it, that's where you turn into the selfless person you should be and get rid of the selfish person you should be. You know, I'm uncomfortable wearing a mask. I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, what's really funny is, um, I, I love my brother. My brother is, um, has done really well for himself. Um, in the past couple of years, he, you know, he finished out school. He's doing uh, a job in a field that he really loves. Um, and, you know, we have a close relative that is a little bit, is a little bit, uh, I don't know, against being careful. And my brother, I didn't realize he did this, but he was with this person and uh, they weren't wearing their mask to go into a store. And he was like, what are you doing, man? He was like, oh, well, you're just running. He's like, he literally said, look, don't be a pussy. Wear your mask. Yeah. It's stupid for you not to. And I was just like, he told me that and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it it's it's such a small thing when you look at the big picture. Can you just be uncomfortable with something on your face for just enough time for you to go out and do what you need to do and come back? Like, can, can you, you fucking do that? Id, can you put your id in check for 15 minutes and just yeah. do as you're asked? Right. You're doing what you're asked to do. Yeah. My brother's like, fuck you. Yeah. I do this for eight, eight hours a day. I have to wear a, an... N95 mask, not even like a cloth mask, an N95 yeah. mask, which is much harder to deal with. Doing physical work, yeah. wearing wearing two sets of gloves, like wearing this whole thing because there's a protocol with because he has to work with patients. So it's like there's a protocol that he has to do for a full work day, 
not just running to the fucking grocery store to pick up a few things. You know, he's like, that's why he's like, don't be a pussy. Wear your mask while you go inside the store. Like, and it's just like, it's so funny to me because I don't know. Like when he told me that story, it's just kind of like, thank God, man. Like, because you just, you want everybody to have that feeling. And, and there's, there's a weird thing in the air out there right now where it's like, there's a lot of people who are very reactive to being told what to do, you know, when, in, within the public space, like the amount of videos that have come out since the pandemic of people being like, you can't tell me what to do and starting fights, purposely coughing on people, spitting on people, shit like that. It's so fucking childish and it drives me fucking crazy. There is a, I, 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 um, I caught an article written by a woman who um, had one of those viral videos. She was the woman at Target who ripped up a mask display out of nowhere. Oh, God, I remember and, that. Um, here's the thing. Um, that woman was a PR specialist. That was her job. Mm. And the thing is, like, so the episode um, ruined her career. Absolutely ruined it. All of her clients went away. And because um, she was working for herself and she found like she's writing a book now. It's about how she refuses to be canceled and it's about her trying to rebuild her life. And um, she talked about how, you know, my when I got into this industry, when I got into this line of work, I never thought I was going to have to do this for me. I never thought I was going to have to be the person that I was actually going to have to make a better picture for something they might've fucked up about, but that's what she's doing. And I can only imagine how many people are out there like that because that I'm again, I mean, yeah, you recognize it, but it's like, you'd be forgiven if you were like, Oh wow, I didn't hear that one. But it's like, yeah, but I I mean, I totally believe that that happens because it's like, you can't go more than a day or two without seeing, Oh yeah, here's some video of somebody showing their ass because they're showing their ass and there are varying degrees of badness to it. Um, There was a, I mean, there's a handful of um, young white students who they did some racist, silly bullshit on TikTok, probably under the influence of something. And, oh, no, you don't get a scholarship no more. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, well, that's, hey, man, <laughs> you know, you play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But then there's also the other side of it. It's like, really? I what they did was shitty, but is there a way that they can like serve a sentence for that? You know, is that's, I mean, when we talk about canceling is it's like, like, is that permanent? You know, is that deletion mm. or is that, you know, take a fucking time out and think about what you did? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't know what cancel really means. I think that they can't make up their mind one way or another. And I think that, People need to make up their mind. They need to make up their mind. Is this, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. There are some instances where deletion is warranted. Kevin Spacey, you know, Harvey Weinstein, those motherfuckers needed to go away. And no, I have no interest in letting them back in the sandbox, but you know, um, you think about like here, I'll give you, um, 
I'll give you two other examples that are a little bit more extreme and they're not necessarily to do with COVID, but it also kind of illustrates my point of how, again, George Zimmerman and Casey Anthony, two people who were involved in high profile Florida lawsuits involving the death of minors or children, and they both got acquitted. I think what's more striking than the actual events respective to those two people are the aftermaths. Casey Anthony vanished. Never heard from her again. But George Zimmerman, that motherfucker just couldn't stop being a fucking public embarrassment. Yep. And and profiting off of that death. Do you and so again you you it begs the question so are they the same? Like really? Mm. And let's and that's and those are extreme examples, but it illustrates where I'm coming from and then here's another let me I'll pull out another example which is kind of political but also kind of similar. Brad Parscale. Brad Parscale was the campaign manager of the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. Um Back in 2015, 2016, um, that guy was just some dude who ran a web development company and they were, they needed work, he and his partner. And um, the fact is nobody else was willing to entertain um, the Trump campaign, like no serious um, like website house was willing to do it, but he was like, I'll do it. And they paid them, you know, <laughs> they paid them um, pretzels and cheese for it. But um, but they did it and they stuck with them and that turned into, you know, them basically doing all of their digital presence. And it was, you know, an unorthodox approach, but it was successful. Labeled as wildly successful because he got somebody who maybe had no business being in office in office and it was all him. It was all him and his little outfit. Um, and that guy transformed over the course of the next five years. He went from being just a normal, regular dude, not unlike yourself, living in the same exact um, socioeconomic conditions to, oh, shit, he's buying Ferraris. Oh, shit, he's wandering around. He's he's still got his ridiculous, like, you know, millennial man beard and his, you know, Nazi haircut. Um, but he's also, like, you know, wearing three-piece suits. And um, he had a terrible breakdown. Terrible terrible breakdown where his wife called the police and they had to like they had like an like an almost hostage situation where like there was questions of whether he'd been beaten on his wife and he was drunk and he was locked in a room with a fucking arsenal and um that guy's kind of gone away and it begs the question it's like you know is brad park scale going to be able to have a normal life again after this you know, is he going to be able to quietly recover? I mean, yeah, maybe maybe he can't have a public life anymore, but is he allowed to have just a life at all? Mm. And the same thing, with, again, that, that's what comes back to Casey Anthony. That's what comes back to George Zimmerman. You know, I get it. We don't want these people in our, we don't want these people on our TV no more. We don't want these people in our Twitter feed necessarily anymore. Right. But can we allow them to have a normal life? Can we allow them to live on? Um, even if it's just out of our, you know, frame of awareness or is our sense of justice so profound and ultimately so fucking vain that no, no, they must suffer forever because that's how we feel about the Trumps. 
That's how we feel about um, Ivanka and Jared. I mean, there are there are pieces on CNN right now about how um, those people they aren't just going to be able to go back to Manhattan. Mm, no, they aren't just going to go back and like reintegrate into that society. And then it's like, so I mean, like, what are you going to go to Florida? And it's like, maybe, but maybe not, because the thing is, that's where Donald and Melania live, and you know, you know, like Melania. And then it's also kind of begs the question, well, what about Melania? You know, I mean, there's rumors that she's going to divorce Donald Trump. And, you know, I can understand why, but it's like, well, what about her and Barron? You know, do, do they get to have normal lives? Do they get to have quiet lives on their own? There's, you know? a, there's, a, there's a really interesting book uh, by a guy named John Ronson. We've talked about him before on the on the show before. Um, John Ronson, he did a book called I think I don't you know what I don't even think this one was a book. I think it was just like a small publication he did. I think you can only get it electronically. It's called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by the Internet. The uh, okay. the person the, the person that that is the narrative throughout the book, they have several different instances where this has happened. Very similar stuff to what you brought up. Um, maybe not quite as not quite as death oriented as George Zimmerman and uh, Casey Anthony, but the, the main, the main person that they come, they loop back to throughout telling all these other stories is uh, the chick that had the flight to Africa. And she tweeted right before she left going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. And then the plane took off. And when she landed, she had no job and the internet was fucking on a witch hunt for her. Yeah, um, it's such a good book because they, they they he breaks down exactly what you're talking about, along with several other instances where this happened to people, um, and his his questions are about, you know, do these people deserve retribution? How do they get back to a normal life? Does the does the internet eventually forget about them? And largely, I think it does have to do with, well, are they okay with not having a public life? You know, are they okay? it's a readjustment of their expectations of life more than it is because people are always going to remember if you're in, if you're in the vision, you know, how many times have you seen where someone comes up and says something and it's like, wait a minute, weren't you the guy that said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like, so they're always going to have that stigma to them. I think that in a lot of cases, people will be able to have a better life as long as they can keep their shit out of the public, uh, you know, public arena. Like you said, Casey Anthony disappeared. George Zimmerman decided, oh, I think it'd be fun to show up at certain gun events and shit like that and sign packs of Skittles and, you know, take pictures with people and, and you know, sign, sign hoodies and shit like that. He leaned into it. He leaned into the kayfabe of the whole deal. The grift was strong. And I think also, you know, when we talk, you know, you talk about this woman, you talk about George Zimmerman, talk about cops, um, there is something to be said also, you know, it's not just about our capacity to forgive individuals. It's also be our capacity to forgive the institutions that are connected to it. George Anthony, or I'm sorry, George Zimmerman and Kathy Anthony, um, as much as it's about them, it's about the Florida justice system. Mm. As much as, um, as much as um, these cops that are killing unarmed black men, it's as much about, the institution of police in America as it is about 
those individuals making those actions. Um, when when Disney um, fires James Gunn, it's not. Is it just? I mean that that wasn't that story wasn't just about James Gunn and off color jokes he may have made at one point or another and him apologizing for it. That story also came. That story also became much more about. Well, why is Disney picking winners and losers? And we have that now with um, with Gina Carano. Gina Carano is an unashamed Trump voter. She has her opinions, and a lot of people are just like, she doesn't deserve a job at you know at Disney doing any Star Wars stuff. It's like, who are you to say that? Mm. You know, and it's like, I mean, I've read her tweets. It's like, look, it's not like she's you know saying no. We really need to put those kids in cages. And we really need to sterilize these immigrants. And, you know, those black people deserved it. She's not saying that. That's not that that's not what she's saying. You know? And it's not like I mean, you can you can twist yourself into knots and say it's like, well, that's coded language. Like Okay. I mean, I don't know, but look <laughs> How deep dude, are you looking into the psyche of Gina Carano? <laughs> Can you just let me like my Star Wars? Can you just let me enjoy my Star? Why does why does this shit that she says on Twitter have to somehow poison Disney and somehow poison this other stuff? Can I just enjoy my dumbass TV show? No, I can't. No, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Because I get it that there are some people for which this is not just some academic discussion. Yeah, I get it that you you know this is more than just about these couple of police officers who are killing these black people. Yeah. This is also about cops as a whole. Um, as far as black people are concerned, it is. And, um, and it is important to be sensitive to that. It is important not to just pretend it doesn't happen. Um, fuck. It'd be nice if there were simple answers to these questions, but there aren't. No, there never are. Um, I think that, I mean, there's very much been a been a been a thing talked about in the show too. Like when, I mean, think about how many years we've been doing this, and how many people have have become have have fallen victims to themselves and their inability to sometimes shut the fuck up, sometimes yeah. you know just leave things be. Like you have the freedom to do all this stuff, but you know people have the freedom to be like, well, fuck you. Like they just do. Um, I don't think that means people aren't allowed to, to go on about their life, you know, but you know, you do sacrifice the ease at which you were able to do that before. Once you do something like yeah. that, you know, you sacrifice that ease. I'm sorry. Yeah. You lost a scholarship. Well, sorry. You did something that someone now doesn't want to support you for. Just like if you go in and say, I think my boss is fucking stupid at work. I wouldn't be surprised if you kept your job. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, they're not going to put up, there's only a certain amount that a job, a company, an institution is going to put up with when it comes to being, um, being flagrant about, about how you feel. Like, it's just, there, there's only so much they're going to put up with before they're like, you got to go. Like, and, and there are times where, I mean, again, you know, look, um, you know, we talk about the nature of forgiveness and whether people can get better and whether this is really them. You know, I do really, I do really sincerely believe that like for some of these 16 year old, 17 year old girls mm. who are amazing track stars and lived a sheltered life. And yeah, they got that one bad boy boyfriend who 
got them high and drunk and was talking some shit and happened to be recording them for giggles. And then, Oh, that somehow found its way to a small group of friends on Snapchat. And then that got updated on some rando Twitter and exploded. Um, yeah, I do believe that there's, there is some room for some, you know, open heartedness and yeah, you know, man, there should be some consequences, but you know, you can have life after this, but then there's other instances. You know who Jeffrey Tubin is? Uh, I, I've, I know the name remind me Jeffrey his name the name has been circulating around Jeffrey Tubin um, was a journalist who yes, um, got okay. into some trouble because mm-hmm. he was on a he was on a zoom meeting yep. and didn't realize that he was still live and he whipped out his dick and started jerking off on porn while the meeting was still going on and so he got suspended and at first everybody was like oh man that's awful but he's a white guy with books under his belt he'll be just fine but then it came out, no, he's been fired. And they were like, oh, well, okay, I guess maybe their internal investigation turned some stuff up. And it was like, oh, yeah, it totally did. Apparently, Jeffrey Tubin, a few years ago, got his assistant pregnant while he was married. He mm-hmm. tried to give her money to force her into an abortion, and she didn't. And when the court ordered him to visit and to pay money, he went there with his current wife to visit his own kid by another person. And what's really fucked up, this was not a secret. This shit had been reported on elsewhere earlier, but nobody cared. So that guy, does that guy get to go back and have a normal life? Probably not. No. God, is, that no. Something, it's, is that something that the institution and the you know the job he was staying at did they did they have any responsibility it's like well i mean again they let him keep working there after this shit with the assistant and stuff and that was very ghastly did they hold any responsibility for where this eventually went yeah i mean it's yeah it it, real life's fun, isn't it? <laughs> dude, real life is is a son of a bitch. Like it really is. I, I don't. I don't know. Like I think that I think that there are in life there are natural checks and balances, and you know, while they may favor some over others, um, and I think they do in some cases. Uh, I think that they are there for a reason. I don't think that I think people should be able to go back to having a normal life, and you know unless they've done something terrible. Some people, like you said, with the Florida court system, were able to game it right, you know? They, the, the game worked in their favor. Um, some people didn't work out. You know, some people got worse for less, right? Like they got worse, they got it much worse for less. Yeah. Um, and, and in some cases, it's a case, it's a, there, was, there was a while back there where, um, you you t- you brought up like oh this thing got leaked out le- leaked out from TikTok right you know that someone yeah. was saying some stupid shit there was a moment in time not that long ago where here in Georgia basically high schoolers were being outed by other high schoolers on Twitter saying oh look this is so and so they they saved the TikTok yeah. or a Snapchat and they're like here's so and so rambling about the N word you know. And being okay with you know that and being super racist, hey, at such and such high school, do you put up with this from your student body? And, and it's and it's kind of fucked up when you think about how the kind of advanced levels of blackmail 
and like libel, like li- almost libelous content that miners are like that. The level of game that miners are playing with that kind of shit, honestly, uh, it's such a weird. I don't even know. I don't even know how to approach it. It's a weird right, wild wrong. west. That's that's some fucked up shit to unpack, man. Well, yeah, and and some of it was I admittedly fucked up. Some of it was very very borderline. It made me very glad that for for many people's sake that that shit didn't exist when I was in high school. You know. <laughs> then, well, well, but you know, but if we're if I mean I I don't want to I don't want to play the whole, you know, oh no, it was better in the old days. It's like, no, there's a very famous there's a very famous Abraham Lincoln quote. Abraham Lincoln, one of the last pardons he made before he was assassinated, was a 16-year-old boy um, who was set to be hanged because he killed a horse. And his crime was animal cruelty. They were going to hang him for animal cruelty. And Mm. his quote was, if we hang every 16-year-old boy for cruelty, there will be no more 16-year-old boys. Yeah. And again, this comes comes back to this, this very serious question, which is not a question of our current day. It's a question of, you know, inherent to humanity on a singular level and on a community level of at what point do we allow redemption at what point are people allowed to have a second chance because there is some shit look scott peterson murdered his wife and dumped her in a river when she was pregnant with his son and then went on the media and played up a charade that he was the victim and that i don't know what happens to my wife okay no no, you put that motherfucker to death. Right. He deserves it. I don't want I he I don't want him to be redeemed. And that's not me being a monster. That's me having a sense of no, no, what he did was terribly unjust and us allowing him to live because we just can't bring ourselves to put him to death and we're better people than that it speaks to an ignorance of the evil that he was mm. as a part of our own society. If we're so evolved, well then how does shit like that even occur? And that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I mean too. Is like inevitably, I don't care who you are. I don't care what race you are, what gender you are. You're going to have at some point in your life said some stupid, ignorant shit. And like, it's as far as like when you're young, right? When you're learning how the world works, like I don't, I don't feel like there was a there was a incredible learning curve that you got to have um, when I was growing up, anyway. And I, and like I said, I don't want to be like the good old days, but there was an incredible amount of learning that you were able to have without being under an instant microscope um, to be like, oh, that shit's not cool. The way I was conducting myself wasn't fucking cool at all. Um, and there's, but there's, and there's also. In watching all that unfold on Twitter that time where, where they were outing all these, you know, these high schoolers, they were saying some pretty ignorant, very fucking privileged shit. There, it's, well, it's a level of privilege, but, and I'm not even talking about just white privilege. I'm just talking about the privilege that you that comes with being someone that maybe has we'll it, parents with money. Let's call it middle class privilege. Yeah, let's call parent, it middle class privilege. I yeah, think that's a good way to think of it. Parents that have some money. The fact that you live in America, the fact that you're already here, like it's just this privilege of nothing can happen to me. Yeah, that yeah that that's that's kind of an interesting like the idea that you know if you are a white cisgendered male of Christian heritage and you're born in America, congratulations, you won the fucking lottery. Yep. And then there's some there's some places in the world that look at it as you're a whatever, 
and you were born yeah. in America, you won the lottery. You know, yeah, it's exactly it's, it's, exactly just depends and, on perspective, man. And also, you know, again, yeah, speaking to that, um, speaking to that middle class privilege, um, I I understand that there was a time when we were in high school when it was just common parlance to refer to anything negative like the our common negative pejorative to anything was to call it gay mm -hmm. and we don't do that no more nope. because that was that was dumb to do then and i'm sorry i'm ashamed that we did it i don't i don't pretend that i didn't do it um i need i need the pain and i need the guilt to remind me why i don't do it anymore and it doesn't change the fact that that shit happened yeah and i was lucky that it wasn't exactly caught on video um and then even more, like you said, we've been doing this stuff for years. I'm sure if we go back and comb through all of it, yeah, I'm sure I can count on both hands and both feet the instances of, yeah, man, uh, shit, I was really talking out of my ass that night. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not saying, you I'm know? not even, yeah, and I'm not pretending I don't still talk out of my ass from time to time, but man, yeah. it's this, the way things change. And I think that rather than, be like i think the natural instinct and i've been in this camp too of like well it's just words man i can't believe this is you know such a big deal it's like no as i get older it's like no just put on the new filter and go the fuck about your business well and, and the thing like you were talking about it's like you know your life is changing as you have a kid it's like oh they're just words it's like it's gonna be a lot different when they say those words to your kid absolutely absolutely yeah. and your response to them it's like i don't give a shit if they're just words mm. Don't you fucking say that about my mom in my presence. I'll fuck you up. Right. And it's and, and that's 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 also another thing. It's another new thing of being like, well, wow, what how do you want you can't help how the world presents itself to a new person, right? You can't you're not going to be yeah. able to help it. There's going to there uh, me and me and the wife have talked about the fact that this child's going to deal with problems that we have never thought about you know, that, that are going to be a completely new set of problems by the time this person is going into the world and making it their own, right? There's going to be something we're not seeing now that's going to be the new thing. There's going to be things that we're not going to understand, you know, just like there are things that our parents don't understand about that's, things. That's the thing about every parent, every Everything. parent, no parent can prepare themselves for the no. future. And it, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily just with cultural or technological change. It's just like, dude, you can't predict the future. Can't. You hope for the best, mm -hmm. prepare for the worst, but you know, truth is the only thing that you can really expect is the unexpected. Yeah. And and there's obviously the conversations in the house have shifted to very different things than they were maybe, I don't know, four or five Just months ago. Four, <laughs> four years ago, you were different people. We no, this is something we've talked about and you know, yeah, no, no, we're different people now. Mm -hmm. And it's it's it, it, it hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes. I wish we could go back to the way things were, but that's not realistic and that's not fair. No. And I shouldn't think that. And I and it doesn't change the fact that it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um I miss miss that. Um, but you know, I need to I need to do better about realigning my perceptions and remember it's like, look, you know, don't don't feel like you lost something. You get to have those memories, you had those experiences and Yes, people are changing, but they're they're if you're being honest with yourself, we're all changing for the better. You know, yeah. we're becoming more responsible. Yeah, our life is being pulled in much more different directions, but that's because we're more important than we were. Right. We've got Back more then, more responsibility. We gave a shit about no 
nobody gave a shit about us back then. And so we could afford to fuck around without consequence, but we can't anymore. And uh, again, that's because our lives have more meaning and, mm -hmm. you know, focus on that. Be happy about that. Yeah. Isn't that what you wanted? You know, do you really want to go back to a life where nothing you do matters and nobody gives a shit? You know, that's. It's a very interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing to think about. It's also an interesting thing to think about in 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 the terms of having a child, right? Like now it's you know, I think about my parents, right? My parents were very young when they had me, you know. I mean, they weren't teenagers, but my mom was 20. You know, it was I I can't imagine being that. So so like it's we're in a different situation of we have the luxury of sitting back and being like, well, "How do we want to how do we want to present things to the child as as they get older?" Whereas my parents yeah. didn't have that. They were like, how the fuck are we going to afford a place so this child is inside and safe? And yeah. so it's 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 a thing of like, I think honestly, our focus is educate as much as you can. Be as honest as you can. You know, if they ask questions, yeah. you know, obviously you tailor it to the age they are. But I think that the best, the best thing you could do is be like, here's, you know, here's why this is the way it is you know give as much uh, yeah. information there's a there, there's a very very careful balancing act when it comes to honesty with mm -hmm. your children but i do think it is the best yes there are times where maybe you don't need to present the whole truth but i do think that you are looking at the worst possible consequences long term if you lie to your kids because there's something about all kids doesn't matter what color they are doesn't matter how rich their parents are no matter where they live every kid grows up and every kid remembers they will remember if you lied to them and if you lie to them and they remember they won't trust you yeah. but if you were honest with them and yeah it may have sucked but they didn't lie to you and they were real with you and yeah it, it sucks that you kind of have this you have this point as you get older where you cross over into an understanding of the world that man nobody has a fucking clue what they're doing and you do kind of feel like man, my parents lied to me. My parents made me feel like they were in control, but it's like, yeah, but, but can you consider the alternative mm. consider what it would be like to lived in a life where your parents are just panicking all the time and you're seeing it full force and they don't keep that shit behind closed doors. And you don't ever feel a sense of stability. You don't ever really feel like anybody really is in control. And thus you yourself are not prepared for it. You were not prepared to fake it yourself. Yeah. Confidence is it's fakery. Mm. I'm confident. I don't know, but I'm doing it anyway. That's that is construed as a lie <laughs> or it's just construed as I'm not going to live in fear. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to be real with myself that, yeah, look, I can't control it all, but I'm going to try anyway. And right. yeah, that's, I mean, if you, you can, you can fuck with a little kid like that, but at a certain point, man, they're gonna, they're gonna figure out how full of shit you are. And that can either be something where it's like, oh, great. Now they've ascended to a point where they're now equal with you. And now they can join your team. And now you enter into a new phase of your existence with them, a new, new, a new element of the relationship where now they're an equal. And now, you know, as a parent, it's not just, oh, I have to take care of this person. It's a, now I got somebody who can help me. Yeah. I, I'm not alone anymore. And I don't, I, I, I don't have to worry about like, I mean, I, I think about this within the context of so many parents tell themselves 
that they want to give their kids everything and they want their kids to succeed and to grow and to be great. But there's this unwritten rule that it's like, but not better than me. I don't want them to be smarter than me. I don't want them to be richer than me. I want them to still keep me in the hierarchy and the power pedestal just over them. And it's like, why, mm. why, why would you, I mean, aside from the the functional irrationality of that, it's like, really, you want to be taking care of your kid when you're in your eighties and they can't function on their own. But it's like, also, it's like, really, you don't, you don't want a confident, healthy, intelligent, able person yeah. that can maybe teach you a thing or two. You really don't want that. Well, and if you truly got that, like what, what kind of disservice is that doing to them? Yeah. You know, if you got that, if you got your way in that fashion, it's like, well, then you die. Right. And then now you've left this person to kind of float in the ether and not know what to do for themselves. And if, and if the goal wasn't to create a decent human being that could take care of themselves and make a mark in this world, well, then the reality is you had a kid because you wanted an accessory. You wanted a fetish item to show off to your friends to feel good about yourself. Yep. And that's not that take it from somebody who isn't a parent. That's not good parenting. <laughs> I've well, and, and the thing is, even the older I get, to, the more, you know, you take a look and you're like, oh, well, I mean, it's not that, you know, when you're a kid and you don't understand the world, you're just figuring the world out, man, it feels like these parents like holy shit they've got they know it all like they've they've got it figured out the older you get you realize no they didn't they just had been there longer and they're able to navigate it a little bit better than you were at the time like if that's all it is like the older you get you don't figure it out you don't have it figured out you're still trying to like be like all right well today's the day i navigate through for some people it's a little more comfortable than others because maybe they've they've got a good path but like life doesn't get any easier no. If anything, it gets harder. You yeah. just get better at it or you don't get better at it and you can't adapt unless you die. Well, look, and we've all got those. We've all got those people. I don't care how old you are. You've got those people that you are related to or that you are that are close friends of the family um, that they're your age and they still don't have their shit together. Like in a way that's like they're still they are still not able to put everything, put all the pieces together to just exist like they're constant they're the, they're the people that are constantly like uh oh yeah i i'm running out of money and it's like well aren't you working yeah but i'm out of money it's like well bills are due every month like how do you These are, yeah the, the the people the people who don't learn the people who are at this constant point of incompetence because they can't get to this place where it's like man they, they can't look they don't look at themselves and think, man, this is a problem I need to fix. Mm. They look at themselves and think this is a problem I can't do anything about. And that's not most of the time, particularly when they're your problems, that's not really true. There are admittedly some things that you can't do anything about sure, yeah. or for which the, to do something about them is it, it's a, it's not worth the, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, mm. but yeah, like you said, it's like, you know, you got a job and you have no money. The problem isn't, you know, your job. The problem is your money management skills. And the problem is your approach to contentment. It's the same thing with people who all of their relationships are dog shit and they can't wake up to the reality that, you know, the common factor in all of your failed relationships and business deals and well, pretty much every interaction you have with a human being is you. 
Yep. I forget who said it. I think it, it must have been from a movie. It's like, you know, if you go out into the world and you, you run into two or three assholes, then yeah, there's a couple assholes out there. If you yeah. go out into the world and you run it and everybody's an asshole, then you're the fucking asshole. And you are the fucking asshole. Yeah. It's, uh -huh. it's fucking nuts, man. It's nuts. Um, before we get out of here, dude, I, I really, first of all, I really appreciate you coming back onto the show. Oh no, thanks for having me, man. No, this was this was fun. This is a nice little three hour chat. Yeah, <laughs> uh, as we do. Um, yeah. Uh, what what we should? But what, this was good because we didn't really repeat ourselves too much this time. No, we didn't go so in these, these circles. These lull, these lulls service that that, that <laughs> phenomenon. It's nice. This was fun. Have yeah, a good time. It's good to be back, man. Absolutely. Uh, what are you suggesting for folks to check out, man? Give us a couple things for for. Uh, um, for if you're if you were if you were not into the current cultural phenomena that is the second season of mandalorian get on it um other than that you know man cyberpunk will come out one day <laughs> at one some day. point at some point it, it's 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 due it's due to come out it's due to come out mid-december hope springs eternal that it will come out um yeah yeah, we'll, 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 we 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 got hope for that. Um, other than that, um, honestly, um, you know, for everybody out there, please, you know, as the as the holidays roll around, dude, stay home. Yeah. Um, it sucks, but you know, stay home and, uh, you know, listen seriously. Before you do, load up on the liquor, load up on the lipids, load up on the carbs, and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, enjoy it like it, you can. It, I mean, yeah, that that that's you know. Don't feel like you can't, you know, enjoy a little bit. Don't feel like you can't look forward to things. Um, that's what I would say to people. You know, um, it sucks now. It's not going to be sucking forever. Um, in, in, in embrace a little bit of a fantasy. You yeah. know, it's okay. It's a good idea right now. Well, and like you said earlier, I think if you have the ability and if you have the ability to plan it out ahead of time with some people and have a group, a tiny group of people that are safe up to that point and have a small get together it doesn't have just yeah. you know just it's going to take a little sacrifice man and i know that there's going to i look i understand there's going to be people that 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 cannot fight that off and they're going to go do that if that's the case be responsible after the fact and stay the fuck away from people for two weeks afterwards or something you know something that would help but like what's what's going to definitely keep you safe is chill out just chill stay home yeah. that's what we're doing that's what we have to do and and if you're not doing it for yourself do it for somebody else because yeah. there's going to be nothing worse than finding out someone you know and love is now incredibly sick yeah it's, it's not a good feeling at all and and you're going to have to help people you love understand that too um i would like to say you need to be watching the current season of fargo what I will also say is you don't have to have seen the other three seasons to get the season. All the seasons are <laughs> self-contained. They are wonderful. I would suggest watching all of them. I would especially suggest watching this this current season, season four. It's on Hulu. It's on FX. Check it out. Uh, we, we talked about Lovecraft Country. It's That would be a great little binge if you're a binger. It's all out right now. The first season is, is excellent, beautifully shot. I think the first episode of the season... Um, of Lovecraft Country was probably one of the you, me and you talked about it one of the more beautifully shot pilots. Yeah, first episode, first episodes for free on YouTube if you want to go watch it just to, yeah. just to get a taste and see if it's up your alley. <sighs> Man, it's just as soon as it ended, I wanted to watch it again. That's that's how yeah. good it was to me. It hit every little thing and it was terrifying well in many paced. different ways. Very very well paced, absolutely, yeah, and well acted. Good God. Mm -hmm. um, 
as far as what stuff I've been checking out lately, uh, two um, documentaries, a lot of documentaries. Um, I watched The Social Dilemma. Um, I've watched The Great Hack. I've watched a lot of these uh, documentaries about social media, and it kind of touches on what you were talking about with wanting to see another another ep, uh, like another movie for the social network a follow-up it's very much what that would be about if that happens um check out the how social it started how it's going interestingly <laughs> enough last night uh there was a ad before something we watched from uh from firefox mozilla they got a, this campaign called unfuck the internet um, and they oh, actually, wow. yeah, if you go, I think it's like, it's like firefox.com slash U N F C K. They, they leave the U out. Right. Okay. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, basically it's a campaign to limit the amount of information that social media networks get, as well as it suggests you go check out the social dilemma there. I'm, I'm interested cause I just found out about this last night. So I started reading about it. I'm interested to see where this campaign goes. I know ultimately it's hey, come use our fucking browser is what it really comes down to. But they're also trying to the limit the, the grift. Im- the, the, the grift is immortal. <laughs> it's, it's immortal. <laughs> they really want you to come use their browser. But it's an interesting way to go about it because essentially they're saying, hey, unfuck the Internet, which is an interesting way yeah. to go about it. So uh, the social dilemma would be also fun for you to check that out. Is a, that social dilemma is very good. I, I'll second. I'll second that recommendation. It's very well done. Um you can go check out. Uh, you can go check out Fagan on Twitter at Lord Fagan. Um, are you still streaming? Are you are you streaming right now? Or are you just taking a break from that? No. 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 Twitter. Twitter is. Uh, or I'm sorry. Tweet. Twitch is. Um. You know. We didn't even no, get into no, that. No, I'm not streaming right now because again, <laughs> you know, Cyberpunk won't come out yet, so I don't really have anything to play to stream. Um, but no, I yeah, I just yeah, the nah the uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. No, I, I gotta, I, I, like I said, I've been, um, you know, I've been working on these supplemental training stuff and it's like, don't get me wrong. Is this like, is there time in the day to do both? It's like, sure. It's just that when I'm doing a whole bunch of work on a computer and then it's like, oh wow, I get to stop and do a bunch of shit on a computer. <laughs> no, actually, no, th- look, I'll, I'll sit and watch something. I I'll watch other people stream shit. Like, you know, I'll, I'll pop into your channel here and there and, you know, ask what the fuck's going on. But yeah. it's like, but you know me, it's like, I'll pop in and I'll hang out for like maybe 10 minutes and then I just vanish. You just want to get away from the screen. I get how, it. It's kind of, it's kind of how it works with me these days, but I'm around Nothing and wrong uh, no, I'm, I'm doing, I'm okay. You know, again, I we will see, we'll see how things change when, uh, what cyberpunk comes out. But uh, no, I've been, um. No, I've had uh, I've had I've had other things taking up my uh, my attention and effort, and so Nothing I haven't been streaming as much. But don't get me wrong, I didn't. I'm not gone. I'm just you know doing other things, other projects. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it at all. I'll have links exactly. up at uh, at uh, lopezradio.com if you want to check that out. Uh, also, you can follow the show at Lopez Radio on all uh, social medias. I stream on Twitch every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. So be sure to check us out there. Um, and one we'll day, you. one day, one day, you and I are gonna play Mortal Kombat. We will, we will. We're gonna, we're gonna set it on easy mode, and we're gonna rip through the story mode. And yeah, one day, <laughs> one day, maybe next, maybe next summer, we'll see. It'll be great. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, love you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll have. We, I do. I've started lining up some more uh, people for podcasts. I think I got Zach White coming up again soon. So stay tuned. We oh, got, we got so man. much. That's gonna be a good one. Yeah, we got so much good shit packed in. Fagan, thank you so much, guys. We'll see you very soon. Dot com.